Hey, we're going again with one of my oldest and dearest friends in the film industry, makeup artist, writer, director, uh, my friend, Randy Dudlin. Thanks for being here, brother. Well, thanks for inviting me. Oh, no. My pleasure. My pleasure. And it's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Can you, you taste the rum here. yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Okay. Glad I ate a big breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, cheers. Hey, cheers. Yeah, t totally. Cheers. We don't and, have to clink it across the table, but cheers, Randy. Thanks for being here, man. Well, thanks again for having me, like I said. Hey, so listen, uh, makeup artist, what does that entail? People are going to want to know. Um, um, tell, me, tell me what you do, and then we'll get into how it all started and why you do it and where we're going. Uh, well, I do pretty much everything. I take care of the actors. We're basically babysitters. Okay, uh, enough said. <laughs> we... Uh, to me, makeup's a collaborative thing. I'm an extension of the actor's arms. I help them become the character they want to be for any show. So it's not me dictating you have to wear this shade of lipstick or blush or this scar or whatever. Uh, I'm totally hands-on. This is our thing. I give you... I'll help you become the thing you want to be. Keeping in mind... I also have to be aware of production and what it's going to cost. Sure, of course. How long it's going to take. Right. Things like that. But, uh, yeah, I'm just an extension of the actor. So, no, I've never thought of it that way. Yeah, me neither. Um, I was just thinking that's, that, cool. that's yeah. uh, brilliant. I Because I, when you, when I go into a makeup room and they're putting makeup on me, I just think that's what they do. And it's dictated by them. Do you ever conf you confer with the actors? Yeah, I mean, even for a general look... Uh, like the last show I did was Ginny and Georgia for Netflix and the lead character, they change her makeup with every change of clothes. So my mirror is just pictures because oh we don't shoot anything in order. So as soon as I see what wardrobe sure. she's wearing, I know what the look is for that day or that sequence. Uh, but right down to whatever shade of eyeshadow makeup, we discuss it. It's like I give her, okay, here's a palette. I know what production wants. Your character stays within this range. So I go out and get 50 shades of a certain red lipstick because her character's known for red lips and only she on the show can wear them because that's her identifying mark. Absolutely. So within hmm. that palette, I give her offerings. So she feels involved. It's not me saying, oh, today we're using that one again. It's sort of like, okay, want to mix it up? We'll do this. Bearing in mind that three scenes from now, I may have to change her two more times through the day. What's not going to bonus time-wise? Right. What makes it easy for me to either go up or down? So, uh, Yeah, that's a big process. It actually sounds kind of tricky. Uh, continuity is a huge thing. People take it for granted because when they watch a show, they see everything in real time, not knowing that that one scene could have been parted out over two, three days Sure. Or we ran out of time at the end of the day, picked it up the next morning. Or because we're shooting, block shooting, we're in, say, the mayor's office all day today. Every scene in that office with those actors are shot. But it may cover three days script-wise. So people have to run out and change between scenes, redo their hair, redo their makeup. So just real quick, well, wow. for listeners that aren't involved in this industry, uh, briefly, what is block shooting? Block shooting is when, uh, let's say you're shooting in the mayor's office and there's four scenes through the course of a story. We will shoot 
all four scenes in the same day in that one location. So it's called block shooting because then we're done with the mayor's office. And right. Then, Move to the next location. So we only need the the location for one, one day, day or exactly. whatever time, and then move on. Yeah, within the course of a thirty or ninety minute program, you will it'll be intercut. And they've planned so many wardrobe uh, attires and yeah, so many uh, different hairstyles and yeah, it's all pre-planned. We have production meetings. We talk about it. Then I have my mini meetings with the actors and get their two cents. Because I thought it was just stunts that, that had meetings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. So do you collaborate then with with uh, uh, wardrobe and hair and sort of yeah. see how we're all gonna form they this? They send us previews of what the actors are wearing, and then the actor okay. and I sit and look at the wardrobe and go, "Okay, these colors would complement this." Uh, same with. Even if it's when I'm doing special effects makeup and someone's getting wounded or shot. Well, if you show up all in black, I'm going, no. Can't see it. Can't see anything. Either put a beige hmm. or a blue shirt or something lighter so that you can see the injuries. Because sometimes if it's a body hit, the blood is the only way to indicate the that, it was a hit. that there was a hit at all. Yeah, because yeah, otherwise the wardrobe moves with them. So to put an actual wound on is redundant. Uh, so the only way I can express my part of it is i need colors that'll work with me but if someone shows up all in black all you see is a glint of light off the wardrobe if they light it right right so now you hmm. you confer you talk to the director yeah. and the director comes up and he says i have a color palette in mind for this mm -hmm. movie um i'm going to deal with these three colors basically and then he deals with wardrobe and you they you all deal together and yeah i've never thought of it that way before that you're an extension of the actor that's really neat. Well, that's, I can't wait to tell somebody that I'm a stunt coordinator, and it's just an extension of the act. <laughs> well, it, it, it's my approach to my job. No, and, it's great. Because, again, it's like we're there to help. We're part of a machine, and we're just a, clog, a cog in the machine. Right, so, for uh, sure. You can't make it about you. I mean, I'm, I paint faces. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've seen you do a whole lot more than just paint faces, brother. Uh, it's not <laughs> brain surgery, but it's also the path of least resistance. You need, when you're meeting an actor for the first time, you have basically five minutes to establish a relationship. It's either going to go in your favor or, or it's going to go all. totally down the toilet. <laughs> the shows I do now are large shows, so I tend to have a team. So traditionally, the head of the department does one, two, and three actor. Then your key does four, five, six, oh. and so on down. You break it up that way. Or if you have a lot of characters with big personalities, you have to basically marry a personality with part of the team. And even for me, being mm. head of the department, I can meet someone going, this is not going to work. Number two, you got this one. I... Because you will work together better. You're no, that makes wicked sense. Have, so as a, so when you get into makeup and it gets bigger and bigger, you're a psychologist, you're a color <laughs> theorist, an esthetician. You're yeah, you name love it. You, it. you have all these hats you have to wear that are beyond what you do. Your job's actually the at the bottom of the list. Yeah, and like you're you're one of the first persons they see at any at yeah. any given day. Yeah, uh, wardrobe, makeup, and hair are the earliest departments in. I always love it when the camera department are whining about the 12-hour day. I'm like, dude, I was here 
two hours before you showed up. It's yeah, like, and like <laughs> same with me. Like I show up good seven eight hours after you do. Yeah. yeah. And then I leave good six hours before you do. <laughs> yeah, and he always calls me and complains. I know traffic. I spent the- an entire hour there. <laughs> That's wicked. Well, that's cool. So how how often is it that uh, you get like so a, a lead? And uh, I mean, the director has their say as well. I mean, yeah, it's this wicked balance. Like on Ginny and Georgia, the showrunner and the writer had a huge say in everything that went into the show. So it hmm. was like uh, running interference for the actor or like one actor in particular didn't like where they were going with their character or the look. So then I became her spokesperson to oh, wow. try and steer them to make her happy, but also meet what they wanted. Interesting. And were you successful? To a degree. I mean, yeah. it's a give and take. In the end, both parties were happy, but that, again, becomes... People don't know that is part of your job. I too. do imagine That's that a, a good showrunner wants, uh, wants the actor to have their best performance and and without a doubt i've i've certainly gotten the like a halloween costume and suddenly i'm like in the mirror trying to be that person for just five minutes before i go out um an actor sits down in a chair and they actually request certain things from you Mm -hmm. in hopes that it'll enhance their uh ability to um get into the character yeah you certainly wouldn't have a you wouldn't they wouldn't give you the best performance if they're not feeling comfortable exactly so our job is they have to leave us happy. Like at the beginning of the day, the saying is, if they leave us miserable, hmm. the day is done before we've even started because you're going to be fighting the entire. So yeah, they have to leave us hmm. happy. What you guys do to them after they're out of my truck? Yeah, I just shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, can you say that? No, you can't you say, oh, we don't shoot actors. We, uh, we photograph them. <laughs> <clears throat> that's fascinating i never thought of it that way that is fascinating uh, yeah i mean either i mean as a stunt guy obviously i've not had this opportunity could you just lighten well, up here well even the scars <laughs> a good example is sean doyle in uh, the last season of cardinal yeah he has a slash here through right. his face and he was supposed to have been a pretty boy who went to prison comes out bitter whatever and he got scarred up a bit uh so we had a Thing where his nose had been broken multiple times but he had this gash here and we we're trying to figure out what he wanted i mean i love that show because i pretty much had carte blanche they would let me do it was a great show whatever i want great team of people to work yeah, for. cool they trusted you in meetings when you <clears throat> asked for something or spoke up even if it had nothing to do with your department like even writing wise if you thought okay that wouldn't happen in reality someone got a little sloppy They'd go, oh, yeah? And I'd go, yeah, it's like this. They would change it. Like, you had a say, which was amazing. But uh, Sean Sean told me this story about his mother playing with his aunt when they were kids. Frisbee with a soup can. And the uh, the aunt threw the can, and it sliced the mother's face. And she had a scar her whole life. So we went through my box of stuff, and I went, Okay, this one's for mom, and that's how he has this scar. Oh wow! His face oh there. cool. So I said, now when you go into your EPK and whatever, yeah, you have a story yeah, to story. tell. <laughs> that's awesome. And he loved it. That's great. And then suddenly, him and I are on a different <clears throat> level, and he totally trusts me. And even 
we went on set, the producers were like, I don't know about that. That looks, and then 10 minutes in the shooting, you don't even know it's there because I underpainted it so it doesn't draw attention to it. Right. So it's basically, it's very subtle, perfectly blended, but it's there all the time. But it adds to his character. Mental inside. part. Absolutely. And also when you hmm. look, look at him, you go, oh yeah. Like something bad happened to this dude. He hasn't had a good life. So little things like that. It's like, so you help them, again, like I said, become that character they're trying to be. I and, love knowing that that's cool. you're doing that. That, the, that, that. That's the part of the whole collaboration and making a movie. Well, I love that. The part that it's enabled me to endure 38 years of doing right. it. Yeah. I love that collaboration. I like creating characters. It's not just, there's a decision for everything you do. It's like, even if it seems a lame set of eyelashes or whatever, they are there for a reason. Like, it's not random choices. So, even though they do seem random sometimes. So, wow. 38 years. How did it all start? What What made you want to do this? Or did you want to do something else and you fell into this? How did, how did it happen? I blame my wife. <laughs> I blame my wife, too. Uh, and has nothing to do with stunts or anything. Uh, well, no, my wife actually... <laughs> I just, I just, she left the room. I'm going to blame her. So. Uh, she, uh, when I met my wife 40 years ago, I was studying classical animation at Sheridan College. And in my late teens, I didn't have the discipline to draw the same character five million times because they didn't have computers back then. That's how old I am. Uh, <laughs> uh, everything was Jeez. done by hand. Uh, but I love the story writing. And when I met my wife, she said she saw more movies in the first six months with me than she had in her entire lifetime. That's funny. I get the same love story. That. Yeah. I always loved movies. Uh, and even as a kid, I always drew. And I wanted to be an illustrator for Marvel Comics. But the story aspect was my strongest point. I loved writing and creating characters even then. So when I met her, the... You couldn't buy a job. It was a recession. I got out of school at the worst possible time. Ended up in an emblem factory de designing crests for hockey teams, football teams, you oh, name yeah. it. Uh, the youngest guy, the next one above me, I think I was 21. The guy closest to me in age was in his 30s, so we had nothing in common. Right. I hated every day of it. <laughs> she suggested, why don't you do makeup? And I looked at her and well, Makeup? Are you daft? Do you know where I come from? You either work in a factory or you're a farmer. This will go over really great with my dad. <laughs> the, you know, cliche alpha male. Oh, yeah, my son does makeup. Uh, and she said, no, you like all these horror films, the monsters. I go, that's not makeup. That's a whole different level. So she found a guy who actually taught makeup out of his loft, Jack Medhurst, sweet man who's passed on. Uh he worked at a Ryerson and at night. His side hustle was teaching makeup. It was more theatrical, but it was an introduction. So her and I actually took the first two courses together. And the more off the wall it was, the more I naturally gravitated to it and realized I had a whole skill set I didn't even know. Uh, so I bled him for every ounce of information I could get out of him. Uh, then... After that, I bought every book I could find on prosthetics and special effects at the time because it was a burgeoning thing. Sure. The only shops in town were Gord Smith and mine, and I didn't even know what I was doing. Uh, uh -huh. 
the great thing about it was VHS had just come out. So you had this huge need for product. So everyone and his mother was making a film. So basically, I taught myself how to make molds, how to run foam, the whole thing, just trial by fire. And I got all my experience doing these terrible, terrible movies. Uh, my first right on. one was a Vietnam action film. I don't even know how I got a lead on it. I can't remember, but I did. It's not Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I said, do you have any gags? They go, well, we'd like to cut a guy's throat, but, you know, I said, I'll do it for free. But once. And the next movie, you have to pay me. And I did. So my first gag, I worked with uh, an effects guy was doing all the explosions. He helped me rig my first bloodline. And we shot blood 10 feet in the air and I made his neck open up. <laughs> and uh, that right, was man. my <laughs> inauguration. Really? Yeah. And then uh, from there, I found other things. And I think my big break, again, was my wife. She worked for a company called Adcom Electronics. They built all the editing suites, the major ones in the city, the one in the <clears> dome. <throat> uh, anyone who was anyone, they built their stuff. And uh, she was dealing with a company called Palette Productions and they had swapping out equipment and uh, she overheard a conversation in the background that they were actually shooting a movie through their company and she said are you crewed up and the guy goes i don't know but if he wants a job send him like now so i shot over there and it was a movie about how to make a really bad low budget film called splatter <laughs> the architects of fear which is actually a cult classic now really and me and tim mogg <clears throat> tim had one other credit i think night shift a v bad vampire movie and i had no real credits at that point other than the little gags i did on little projects so it was my oh, first love this. so tim wasn't that good at actually making stuff but he was a great front guy he could talk where i was totally the opposite back then i was built like a fire plug but i was quiet and but i like to make shit so he would run interference because they gave us a list of stuff, but the list kept growing constantly. So as fast as I could make stuff, they would shoot it. We snapped an arm off in an elevator. We had a stripper dry hump a guy against the wall and his head explodes. So I had to make exploding heads. Uh, one character was like a bad host who had, he was blind in one eye. So he had his piece that covered his eye and we made a tenter. His character's name was Fang. So he had one Fang and... He had a glass eye in the prosthetic, which I'd point in a different direction all the time to see if anybody was paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> and stupid shit like that. What do you think when you look back at something like that? Uh, I mean, obviously, it was your early work, and you've learned a lot, but that must make you pretty proud. That was fun. <clears throat> well, what, it was years later. There's a fellow makeup artist, Craig Ryan French, who's up and coming and big in the industry now. He said that film was what got him in the makeup. So when you look at really? that, you go, no okay, way. Maybe it wasn't a waste of time. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, when you look at your body of work over a lifetime, I mean, it was, it, it was what it was for the time. We literally were making it up as we were going along. I mean, the big difference between today and then is that there's schools. So, right. I mean, I was out of pocket buying stuff, going through material like crazy, figuring out the ratios because you'd read the formulas in the books. Well, they always leave something out. So you, it was either the proportion of the gel you put in and then it's chemistry. 
depending the time of year, being in Canada, when you're trying to run foam in July, when it's 120 with humidity, and then goes to minus 30 in the winter, the recipe doesn't <laughs> work for both months. You have to adjust your whipping times. I mean, and, and we're talking foam rubber and a lot of really toxic chemicals that we were knee deep in, never mind health stuff. How I have a kidney and a liver now is beyond <laughs> me, uh, just from the toxicity. I am allergic to a lot of chemicals now, but we don't oh. use any of that stuff now. Right Now we use medical grade silicones and... So everything's evolved so much down to the paint. Back then it was grease paint with castor oil to make it paint the rubber and stuff. Now we use alcohol-based palettes where I paint you once and I don't have to worry about you touching yourself and moving it ah, yeah, yeah. or sweating it off. I mean, and those are only within the last 15 years, but within that, people are refining it. The bloods, we have drying bloods. We have, you know, paste bloods. There's a spectrum of colors. It's like, so all our old recipes are, they're great to have, but we don't use any of that. Now, stuff some of anymore. that old school stuff, though, the guys are using, like, they're kind of still doing that, just well, shooting stuff with their iPhones or wh whatever, trying to build these horror movies mm -hmm. and things like that. And those are extremely popular. Well, we still use a lot of the principles of the old stuff. It's just we have better product to use with them that make it more effective. Okay. And also, remember, we were the pioneers. Nobody right. did this stuff. <clears throat> now you can, there's, Savini has books. Uh, Dan Winston has a school. You can go online and get a tutorial on how to do anything with YouTube. Oh, yeah. And Instagram, whatever. There are people all over. I mean, I've written three books. I mean, it got to the point where. Speaking of your books, did you. When yeah, you I put a, no, no, yeah, well, I, well, I want you to show them, but did you add everything into the recipes? Yeah. When did, I made them... You said earlier that they oh, knew yeah. something No, up. that would be companies when you're <laughs> buying foam and stuff, because they're to get you to buy more. Oh, okay. They wouldn't give you, tell you everything, wanting you to screw up, so you would have, have to keep buying more. So <laughs> between technicians, we would swap and say, okay... Only use four grams. If you go over, it's going to kick in the bowl. You're never going to get it out or it'll collapse in the oven. You know, what's the temperature today? I mean, that's the one great thing about hmm. it is that back then we were all babies and we would help each other. Right. And I found as it got, the years got on and they became more rivals. Yeah, it's competition. Uh, there's clicks. It's like high school. And it's, that's why I'm happy doing more normal makeup. It got to the point where I got out of just doing prosthetics because one, people don't realize you have to pay for a studio. I had a 2000 square foot studio, whether I work or not, yeah, yeah. that rent comes every month mm -hmm. on top of my house and my, yeah, you know, feeding my family and everything else. So you can go in debt real fast if you're not working. And uh, prosthetics was cyclomatic. It'd be really popular and there'd be tons of work and then it would dry up. When CG came out for a year, we were all struggling because these companies would make deals with productions and they tried to do everything computer graphics and eliminate us completely. Or they would say, oh yeah, we can do it. Well, CG blood still looks like crap. I don't care who's yeah. doing it. It absolutely the, does. The real stuff will beat it anytime. Same with CG fire and, and yeah. stunts. So they realized... Totally. You have to have this marriage. And also, we can do it way faster than some guy at his computer. 
Yeah, it may look brilliant, but it'll take him a year to write code and build a model and right. make it move, or I can just do it. And the cost the cost has to be astronomical sure. with the uh, CGI. Yeah, where, well, yeah, because you're paying for a year of labor with us. They give us a deadline. We need it in two months or a month or something ridiculous, and that affects the quality. But nonetheless, we will get it done in that amount of time, and you can shoot it, move on. Now, if you want to enhance it later, you always have that option. True enough. Yeah, I'm with you. Even even if they use like a dummy or it looks incredibly silly or something like that, for some reason, just practical work always looks mm -hmm. so, so much, much nicer. Always. Agreed. Yeah. Now, speaking of Marvel, have you ever done a Marvel show or movie or anything like that? Uh, the closest I got was I was the key set prosthetic for season one of The Boys. Okay. Uh, and that was, that was insane. I love it. I, it is a really cool I show. I read all the books. I tried to get on his head of makeup. I couldn't. And then my friend Paul Jones got the effects contract, and he said, would you be my key? So well, that's nice. I got. Paul's I, a good I guy. still got my wish. And we did all the fun <clears throat> shit anyway, so yeah. it was great. That's cool. That is a very cool show. Yeah. You been on The Boys? No. Huh. I've not been on The Boys. Every friend I have, though, in the business has. <laughs> the one show not i've not me. been on <laughs> yeah no it's 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 wicked it's crazy it's the anti-superhero show right the cast is amazing and uh, they they have money like amazon it's one of their star shows they pay it's like c for apple just make it rain it was like crazy and you're going okay this show does not need this kind of money just watch them hosing the walls with it i could make 10 shows you know though given the i mean i'm not a I, I like the old comic books and stuff mm -hmm. like that, but I don't like where Marvel has taken most of their movies. I, uh, I find it pretty silly. The new guy who's steering the ship, you can tell, isn't one of us who grew up on comics. Oh, no. Like, the She-Hulk, I get that. That's intentionally supposed to be funny. But the last two Thor movies, I want to punch him in the face. It's like, I hate them both. They are. Yeah. Ke Kevin Braun directed Thor. He made it like the book. It was serious. I mean, this is a North God. Now, Asgard's been destroyed and nobody cares. It's like, and all they do is do one liner after another. And the characters are over the top. It's all and it's, jokes. And yeah, it's, it's, it's like a big cartoon. I mean, what made Marvel stand out over DC was the level of writing and the characters. Now they're just turning it all into a joke. They just think we do anything, slap some guy in a suit. And it's yeah. a printing press. To yeah, make it's all money. the same. Yeah, every movie's like the same. Mm -hmm. So I, but I like that about uh, the boys. Is Deadpool? What's Deadpool? Is that DC? Nope. No, that's Marvel. Marvel. Okay, but see, that's cool. Like I like that they kind of took like a darker, adulty. Uh, that you way. can thank Ryan Reynolds for. That was his champion way back when they made Wolverine, and he played a bastardized version of Deadpool, which he hated, where they saw right. his lips and eyes close and. He almost got fired off of that show numerous times because he goes, this is not Deadpool. This is bullshit. And they're just Good. like, you're getting paid. Shut up. Do your job. That's why even in, That's the problem right in there. Deadpool, he makes jokes about how shitty that movie was. Oh, is that right? Yeah. That's hilarious. Uh, because nothing's off limits for him. Uh, and But he championed for several years <clears throat> before he got... And it was the first R-rated, because it had to be. I mean, that is Deadpool. Deadpool in the comic books is Ryan Reynolds. Uh, 
Hmm. And that was his favorite character. And he said, either we do it right or never do it. Or don't do it. And so now it's like no one will get it away from him. I just heard a rumor he might be buying the uh, Ottawa hockey team. Oh, yeah. Like the Ottawa Senators? Like what the a, NHL I'm hockey, not a hockey team? fan, I don't know, but if that's that the would name, be the center. Well, that's the <laughs> NHL hockey team. Uh, yeah, I don't well, know. he yeah. bought that uh, Van City, the soccer club. So, oh, oh really? Yeah. Hmm. I suppose if I was Ryan Reynolds, I'd buy some stuff. You know. Well, he he, like he, <laughs> he does a movie. He takes a year off, raises yeah. his kids. He he's been hounding Hugh Jackman for six years. He finally got him to come out of retirement as Wolverine. So that's the big. Deadpool 3, because yeah. uh, he wasn't going to do Deadpool 3. Him and the head of uh, Disney were just, again, this new guy, Kevin Fagg, isn't it? Fagg? Whatever. Is it Kevin Fagg? <laughs> F-A-A-G? No, F-I-E-G, Fig, Fagg? Oh, I know. F-I-E-G, yes. whatever. F-A-A-G. Anyway, they had total uh, different ideas about Deadpool. So uh, he wanted to... This guy wanted to make it more like Free Guy, which is, you know, more family friendly. And yeah. Randall's like, no, we have an audience. Deadpool's a pervert. It's like, we're going this way. And uh, I think what clinched the deal when Hugh said, okay, I'll do it, but we do it your way. And then the other guy kind of got oh, pushed to the no. side. Either we do it Ryan's way or we don't do it at all. I respect that. That's good. So, Yeah, huge respect for that. Thank God. And also, he tried to get Hugh... And the second one, well, all three actually, but Hugh was either busy or it wasn't quite right. And Dancing and singing and something but else. he does, they have this <laughs> fictitious feud where they're rivals, where they're actually really good friends. So hmm. it's been this. Uh, well, you're not supposed to let that stuff out. Everybody knows. <laughs> Listen, Randy, shut up. <laughs> what are you here to talk? <laughs> and spill the beans about actors' lives. Wow, well, that's cool. Now, that's really that's really cool. I like that. I've never seen a Marvel movie in my life. Uh, yeah, you have. What, You've seen what? one. What? I don't know. Iron Man. Ant Man. No. Thor. Nope. What's another man? Captain America. Captain America. That's actually a good nope. one. If you Avengers? like uh, war period stuff, it's got that mix because it's an Come origin on, Randy. story. So that it's one's not that good. good. I like that. There's too many Randys on this book. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I couldn't get behind the Marvel thing. I, I'm a much simpler guy when it comes to movies. It's funny. I mean, we work in action, but I really... I like an action movie, but um, I'd rather sit and watch like a romance or something like that. A really good story. Yeah, a really nice story. Well, but, I mean, that's the whole beauty of movies. That's what draws us. One week you're doing Guardians of the Galaxy, going somewhere in a different world where nothing is real just to escape. The next you're watching, you know, Hacksaw Ridge, where it's based on a true story. Right, totally. And you're totally drawn yeah. into that. Yeah. Some biopic, or it's just, like you said, a, just a really touching love story that makes mm-hmm. us cry like babies at this age, going through men- mental pause. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've said it before on other podcasts. I mean, if you're not making me cry or laugh or... Frightening right. me exactly. Uh, it's hardly worth watching, and and Marvel doesn't do that for me at all. Any but of it. that's okay. That's <clears throat> yeah. oh no, I'm not knocking them. I have a lot of friends who love billion those people on the planet, and we all like different things. But, right. I mean, absolutely. What, what always drew me to film is exactly what you said: an emotional response. I mean, 
Yeah, big time. I used to love Burt Reynolds, all those old Burt Reynolds movies, like from The Longest Yard, Deliverance, all those people going. I'm going we like all the whatever Reynolds. Whatever floats your boat. Or Clint Eastwood, the totally. early ones from them. Any which way but loose with yeah, the orangutan totally. Clyde Absolutely. and all those stupid things. To you know, <laughs> But then you would see out of Africa or some Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. The Godfather. I mean, those are as diversely different as you can get. 100%. They're all amazing stories. And they draw you emotionally. And our jobs, be it stunts, makeup, whatever, it's the same thing. We contribute that. It's like through my makeup of a woman's melting down or whatever, I add to her emotion, help her get over that ridge. Uh, and she's, you know, a hot mess. And you're like totally captivated. Or it's a horror film and I'm making you throw up in your popcorn. It's like, you know, uh, it's all, <laughs> all in the day's work. Yeah, it's, you can't ruin makes that it popcorn. It sounds so man. simple. <laughs> <laughs> So when, uh, you know, as a stunt guy, you don't want to be noticed, let's say, or you're doing your job better if uh, if the it looks like the actor's doing the job. Yeah. Well, when you're doubling versus you're a character right. doing well, your job yes. as part of the production. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't want to make it look like a stunt. You want to make it look like the real shit just happened. Yeah. Right. Um, for you, that scar, let's say, on Sean... Um, it must feel good to, let's say, he, the makeup isn't so noticeable. Mm -hmm. You know, I imagine your wife has, has looked at something and went, is that scar real? You know, and you go, no, no, I gave it to him. That's kind of mm -hmm. cool. That must be. Yeah, it's like a rewarding. classic is out of Africa. When it first came out, people thought all the Nairobi actors with their earlobes ear with all the hoops and stuff, they were real. Like, where would you find people in Swaziland who can act? Just a second. Are you telling me they weren't? They weren't. Oh. Yeah, but you know how many well, times I, I watch them? So, but that's... I watch movies like that. The beauty of our even job, I think when that. people look and go, you just accept it. You don't even question it. Then we've done our job. We've accomplished what yeah. we set out to do. That you totally think that that guy's nose looks like that. It's bent 100%. sideways. He's a boxer. Like a Jake LaMotta story with mm -hmm. De Niro. From the fat makeup to whatever you see him going through all these stages. And you totally... It's incredible. Yeah, it's like... Uh, I mean, he did gain some weight. But still, with all the prosthetics, you don't go, oh, he's wearing makeup. You're totally drawn into the story. That just becomes... That's Jake. You just accept it. Uh, it's incredible. And when that happens, you've done your job. I just recently saw a picture of Marianne Stevens, stunt girl, mm -hmm. um, that you... From head to toe, man. What? What was it? What? Yeah, tell me. What was it for? Lullaby, a horror film. It's a. I don't think it's been released yet. It's going to soon. I had to turn it into a hundred-year-old crone. Uh, oh. Paul Jones designed the makeup, but I put it on every day. Was she I, doubling or just? No, she was. Was the character? The character. Oh, fuck so yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a. We got the paint job down to an hour and a half. It took me a couple hours because they wanted to go old school. She wore contacts and a rasta wig but her age makeup was all hand painted all the lines and uh then wow. she had an animatronic arm that dragged on the ground and i could make it lift point but they kept forgetting it's not real they always wanted her to pick things up i go it can't pick shit up it's like, <laughs> it can point 
and scratch and move up and down, but quit trying to get her to pick shit up with it. You're going to break it. But it it's looked not... amazing, Randy. And Great then job. She, then she had a silicone glove for this <clears throat> hand for the grabbing and all the other stuff. So, uh, I mean, it worked because it's a really creepy horror film with stylized lighting and stuff. So the makeup didn't look like makeup. It looked like real wrinkles and you totally bought into it. And also, she's a character from a book and her job is to steal babies. So uh, it was like the character in the book was suddenly alive and, and she did an okay, amazing so job with it too. That's great. So this was and, originally a book? No, it's a movie. The, oh, okay. The movie, you buy this, you get this oh. book of lullabies. When you read the lullabies to your baby, you open a door. Ah, to allow this Cronin. Cronin, oh, and then she comes and steals the babies and takes them back to where she comes How from. collaborative was this with uh, the director, writer, and anyone else? Uh, well, Paul had all those meetings. I was, again, for that one, the guy, I was the hand. Paul designed the makeup with them. I don't know why they decided he wanted this old school look, so it was a paint job. I think part of it hmm. was uh, budget, but I don't, at the same time, not so much because we made animatronic puppets. She had an arm. Right, so there was some cash there available. Was, yeah, and there was like other little creatures within the film we made. So the money was there, but for a stylized look, they decided to do her face, this old school paint job, which was really effective because yeah, Marianne's amazing. middle-aged. She's not old, but mm. she's not a kid either. So she had some character lines that did. I was able to enhance it and work with the makeup. Uh, then the rest was just, we just winged it. And Interesting. She was, now, the movie's not been released, so yeah. for those who will see it in the future, Lullaby, um, what's the time frame on from the initial, let's say, chat with the director to create this character to, to uh, creating it? I think <clears throat> Paul had something like eight weeks. Oh, wow. Because, uh, I mean, he had to make the arm, and there was these little creatures that... That art department had to design so I'm sure between him and them refining the artwork because that artwork also became bits of the book and different stuff so uh, you needed that leg time I mean when you're doing a lower budget movie the more prep you can have yeah I was going to say eight weeks better. doesn't sound long no that would be just for him to manufacture so oh, okay. uh, in total I don't know I wow. could say maybe ten they'd have initial meetings then swap artwork back and forth and then once then he does you know so many sculpts on the other things get them to sign off on it mm -hmm. the makeup it was up to him to find someone do some airbrushing and whatever and test the makeup and then work out the bugs and then when he got to me then it was like teaching me to do it and then between the two of us refining it because obviously once i do it i'm going to add my spin to it and sure. take my own shortcuts because I'm the one who has to do it every day for a month. So, uh, so very cool. So as long as I it looked amazing, duck to the, and, and the hard part about that too, is because it's all hand painted, making it look the same every time. Right. is really hard. There's those continuity photos. It's all hand painted <laughs> lines. It's I couldn't not imagine. Like, she has to go home and like go to sleep. Slapping on a prosthetic that's pre-painted and, Everything sculpted into oh. it. This is way more difficult, right? Because I mean, you're given a certain latitude because 
how it's lit and stuff, no one's going to notice that if it changed slightly between scenes, uh, but it has to sure. at least in general really <clears throat> match. So. Is that something that, if do you know that maybe they're just going to do a close-up today so you only have to do a portion? No, and a character like that, you never know, right? And yeah, and they lie. That's, just, <laughs> that's, uh, that's true. Totally, <laughs> totally. <laughs> a friend of mine did a show called Zombie Town, and yeah. uh, they have a huge and they, again no budget, whatever. So I designed a makeup for them. I originally was going to do it, then I had to bow out. Is that my, the one in Sudbury? Yeah, with uh, Chevy Chase and yeah. So uh, Randy Lee was the art director. Yeah, cool. Uh, so they have a scene in a theater. There's like 50 zombies. They only wanted to paint the people in the front row. No one will notice in the back. And I'm oh, good she's normally my assistant. She took over when I had to step out. I said, you paint everybody in that theater. The ones in the back, don't worry about the detail. But it's such a high contrast look. They will know if you didn't paint them. Do not listen to those schmucks. I've been down this road and yeah. gotten yeah, stiff that's before. Experience. So... You listen to me, not right. to them, and you stick to your guns, and you paint every single person in that theater. Have you seen the footage? They sent me. She sent me stills on the day from the monitor, so she stuck to her guns, and they did it. And they That's were awesome. Happy, cool. Randy Lee, she's always, uh, for those listening and watching my daughter, she's always wanted to be a zombie in a movie. Oh, yeah? It's the funniest thing. So they needed a zombie a lady to walk across the street with a baby buggy they made it up on the day and so the producer asked her do you still uh you still do stunts yeah there she got so she they painted her up and she walked across the street and almost got hit by a car and got her a zombie in the movie cool. yeah yeah that's cool i've been lucky i've done a lot of zombie movies i think uh, my favorite still is Zack snyder's remake of dawn of the dead right the first time i got to work in a truck with 12 other prosthetic guys yeah and then it, every day was a friendly competition. It was like, and also we had a room that was about the size of this with shelves with prosthetics. So it was a race to get there because we were allotted X amount of stunt men that were your actors. But every day he wanted them to look different. Well, this movie went on for like four months. Like how many different ways <laughs> can you make Paint somebody a zombie. a zombie? So that became the hardest part of the film was uh changing well uh, and uh on the jewel that's blair that's my makeup to him when he gets shot in the head in the street oh, oh cool like on, on the disc yeah yeah absolutely so that's my little so and you I, know that's I, that's randy eh? that's on the front poster yeah, be, be, of like the be, european and all uh, over the world yeah 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 so yeah so Crazy. my little thing on the jewel on the cd oh that's very cool and that's blair yeah yeah Remember with the teeth, yeah, and that's my makeup. So that was one of my zombies. So. Right on, sweet. How often are you uh, button heads with a director or anything like that? Uh, it happens. Uh, um, well, Cardinal the last season, uh, one of the characters is suspected of killing someone when he's not. So the killer meets him in the parking lot. He's being transported. He knocks the cop out stabs a guy in the back and then lowers him into the cop car uh, right and gets ahead. away. Mm. So when Cardinal and Delarm show up, the director wanted me to paint the inside of the car with blood. And I went, no. He's like, pardon? I go, no. It's black. 
He's laying down. He was stabbed in the back. You're not going to see anything. It's minus 30 out. I am not doing that to the actor. That was that freezing rain wow. night. Wow. Yeah. That was a crazy night. And uh, Steve Cousins, the DP, snickering because <clears throat> this is a new director. And he's like, and I'm like, I'm not doing it. And I go, if you have a problem, go talk to the two producers because this is BS. It's like you're making people suffer for no reason. If we were going to see it and it were white seats, no problem. But you got, and also they liked a darker shade of blood because you, it's less graphic and get away with more. It's a graphic show. And on top of that, they were adding blue to make everything look colder. So I already know you're never going to see anything. So <laughs> why are we doing this? So yeah, I've outright, as I'm getting older, now I'm cantankerous. And I, <laughs> if it's a really stupid request, I have no hesitation to go, no. But as long as you have logic to back your argument, absolutely, they can't say no. And they just like, basically, he was like, okay. It's like, well, like, you, a, you, like a, you know, a you brought logic puppy. to him. Yeah. And I had all the reasons why. Of course. The wound's on his back. You don't see the wound. The seats are black. The inside of the car is dark. You're at, it's dark blood, and you're adding a color that will even darken it more on top of it. So it's a waste of time. And we're all freezing our cojoles off. So why would you do that to that actor? It's hmm. like you're we're in the We're in the parking lot up in North Bay yeah. in the library parking lot, and it was freezing rain. Yeah, it was a weird night. It, it, it was just freezing rain. It was crazy. <laughs> Trying to move every foot. Like. And if you're standing still for a second, um, the moment you move, you're, you're, everything crinkles. Yeah, you're, it's all, you're all ice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was crazy, and crazy night. To move was a hockey rink, skating yeah. around. So yeah, it was miserable out. And I'm going, okay, let's not add to it. It's like you know, there's no point. Totally. So yeah, so sometimes yeah, you just go, no, that's a stupid idea. I did a. Hmm. From 2005 to 2007, I worked for a company called Peace Arch Entertainment. We did 22 horror films back to back. Wow. And that was my job. I was the head of hair, Jeez. makeup, and prosthetics. So I had a team for on set, a team in the shop. And I spent half my time in meetings telling directors what they couldn't have. Because they were mostly first-time directors. Right. And these were all low-budget movies. I mean, I think 750 was our average they were saying a million, but it wasn't. It was seven fifty, uh, and so you would read a script and go, "Okay, this is the gag we need to feature on. These are minor ones. A lot of this we can do out of kit. This, you know, I can add a little something, something to. But that's your one money shot for the show. This is it. But they come in first timers with grandiose ideas. They think they're making Apocalypse Now." And, and they just had me just <laughs> shit all over their dreams, going, "No, this is what you're. <laughs> this is what you're getting because this is all we can afford. This is all the time we have." And I'm sorry, this is the reality. I mean, half these scripts should have never been made. So one of two things happens if you're a first-time director: you don't bring Randy on, <laughs> or you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, because I will explain to you how to get the most That's bang I mean. for your buck. Big time. And also educate you. Like, within a script, if the killer has a knife, mm -hmm. you do not use the same gag for every kill. You show a little bit, you show a little bit more, you save one for the big slice and blood shooting everywhere. But if you do that for every gag, the audience 
doesn't care. They've shut off your show and left already. Well, if there's no build. Exactly. So, But they don't always see it that way. Wow. Where we have to, every makeup tells a story. So in a case like that, I have to tell the story through the makeup and ask a million questions. How are you planning to shoot it? How are you lighting it? How are you doing this, that, the other thing? And then I determine what's the best for you for that given situation. Then having read the script and the buildup of the story, then I have to determine in these situations what the payoff was. Like Sometimes you can have more than one, but generally mm -hmm. how they were designed, there was one killer gag, and that's what we put all our money and concentration on. Like I said, and the rest, not to say I can't give you something, just I'm not giving you the whole load every time. Absolutely. We can't do it. Well, it gets boring. That and financially, again. Well, no, of course. We only have 750000 right. I don't. Right. I might have five. Uh, the, the amounts of money they gave you were ridiculous. Because, mm -hmm. again, the producers in this situation weren't horror guys. They just thought it was a quick way to make quick money, you know, put yeah, minimal in, get maximum sure. out. Well, that's Saw. Saw started off with a story. And then mm. as it went, it became torture porn because their, oh, yeah. their framework is minimum in, maximum return. Like uh, That's why they took a break. The pandemic didn't help. But on top of that, that's why Saw became crap. There was no more story. Just get seven people in a room. How creatively can we kill them? That was the end of the story. So when they burned through that, they needed a break. Chris Rock approached them with an idea, and that's how it got resurrected. So Spiral is from the book of Saw, because Jigsaw is supposed to be dead. Uh, so it's influenced by it. So they had an actual story and brought it back. They're shooting number 10 in Mexico, because the cheap bastards decided, because everyone was shot here. Yeah, well, the, for, the studio was doing Yeah, I was down. in one of them. <laughs> yeah. I was in one of them. I don't even know which one. I've never even seen it. I have no idea. Well, nine was with Chris Rock. I did that one. So. Chris Rock Oh, that's the picture saw. you're spraying blood on him? Yeah. I know the picture. That's yeah. got to be how you... That was the end of the day. He was miserable. He had a cold, and Bozeman added that at the end, all these glass cuts. I go, you know, you do this. I got to do it like eight more times because this carries on for a huge chunk of the movie it's fine i'm looking at chris going sorry chris <laughs> i mean that, that 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 will smith slap would have been a whole lot more appropriate if he was slapping him over saw instead of yeah his wife and if there was blood, <laughs> blood involved yeah exactly <laughs> lots of blood um so on the same uh note i mean how often have you uh rivaled with a director based on certain things but then the director was kind of right or, or maybe not director, but anybody. Uh, again, it's a collaborative thing. If you have a good argument, I will listen to it. It's like uh, everybody has great ideas. They've come up with stuff where I went, damn, why didn't I think of that? Mm. Or we have last-minute things where we got to jig things, and they're hit with a bolt of brilliance, and we suddenly simplify it, and it works better. Or you show mm. up, and everything goes to shit. <laughs> it turns out being one of the best days in the film because everyone suddenly has to start thinking on their feet and actually using their creative... Their filmic skills. Yeah, that's... which I that's why I actually like low-budget films versus big, 
because you are forced to use your brain. Yeah, nobody's just throwing money at it. Exactly. 100%. And uh, again, you find inventive ways, more inventive ways, or you have, that's why I like having new assistants because they remind you when you were young and hungry and new and they tweak the things and get bring some freshness. Yeah. Or you go, shit, yeah, we used to do it that way, but now I can build a better monkey cage because I know that much more, but they make it simple and make you go, ah, and the light goes off and you go, yeah, I was overthinking this. Okay. Well, speaking, hmm. speaking of youngsters, if there was, is it worth someone wanting to do a low budget feature horror movie approaching you? Yeah. Yeah. I get asked all the time. I won't, won't necessarily work on it because depending on my schedule. Right. But I will advise you. You, you can either, you know, take it or leave it, whatever. I'll try to help. Uh, or I will hook you up with people that are hungry and new and trying to get in it. And I would advise them on how to do the things you and guide them. Or if I have something you need it, I'll lend it to you or give it to you. Yeah, so either way, the young producer is going to, or the young director is going to get your expertise, not necessarily on set, but through yeah, someone else. Yeah, I do that all the time. <clears throat> That's pretty wonderful. That's awesome, yeah. Uh, we, when we were doing Five Days at Memorial, I helped do a cleaver gag in a head for a CFC film, which at the time when I said it, oh, this will be easy. This was play. last year? Year before whatever i lecture there every year and i think i told them how to do that anyways they didn't shoot it the cleaver in the head they didn't shoot it the way i told them to shoot it it would have been better if they did it my way because i saw the final footage i went whatever do what you want would have been better if it was his way (laughs) not yours yeah they probably did it my way (laughs) (laughs) uh because it's an old gag i've done a million times and I built it. So while I'm on set, I'm carving this cleaver and everyone's looking at me because suddenly <laughs> you figure, oh, I got lots of time, you know, and then all of a sudden I get slammed with a ton of work on set and then we had personnel problems and then all of a sudden I'm going, what did I ever agree to this? I'm so stupid. <laughs> but, you know, then I made it and passed it off. But you could tell talking to them, nobody knew anything. Well, that's that. interesting because it's, the CFC directors uh, and CFC producers, CFC writers, and when you do speak to them, you what are they teaching you here? Yeah, well, I dealt with the the new producer PM and the art director, and and I'm looking at him. Okay, dude, your thing weighs three tons. You're never going to be able to adhere it because he started making something, mm. and this guy called someone, and they said call Randy, and he did, and I met them, and. I went, okay, you can't use that. The guy kind of got offended. I go, okay, it's called gravity. <laughs> this weighs five pounds. You want it to stick in his head and the guy to be able to let go. It needs to weigh two ounces. So you got to make it out of balsa mm. wood and all this other stuff. Uh, so I basically went to a dollar store, got all the materials and showed them because you can get uh, uh, a self-adhesive metal, uh, almost like foil. Mm-hmm. put on a balsa wood blade or actually a styrene blade with a balsa wood handle. It was a handle I was carving. Cut a bevel out of it, glue it, age it with some acrylic paint in his head. Uh, we put a, then you stop, 
put a trough of blood and wax because it's light enough. You can just stick it in there and then pour blood on his head as he's bleeding. And he just falls back. And there's your shot. There's the lesson right there. And uh, it weighed magic. nothing. Uh, <clears throat> it's an old Savini trick from the original Dawn of the Dead. Because uh, when you're moving it through the air, you never even notice there's a bevel cut out of it. So, And you can do it backwards, too. Uh, shoot it wow. Yeah. The guy can go, and it's in his head, and he falls back. So you can almost have it already planted, pull it out, and then you play it forward, and it looks like it's getting buried in. 100%. Does makeup mo uh, ruin movies for you? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, because it, my background is prosthetics, you automatically look for all the seams. You subconsciously oh, do yeah. it. And if something's put on badly, I'm just like, okay, it takes me out of the moment. See, I, do, I, I mean, I'm a stunt guy, so I can see somebody wearing knee pads. I, I know oh, this yeah. guy's going to fall down. I've, I know where the ramps are on the road when he's doing a car or, chase. Or the cable dragging him. Yeah. You look for all that all stuff. All that stuff. Don't... But even I notice sometimes on the prosthetics, the seams and the, the net on the hair. Well, it's like a blonde, a very depressing, great movie. She does an amazing job, the actress. But there was one scene I could see the lace of her wig in the front. And it. No. after that, that's all I looked for every time <laughs> I saw her. Because once I saw it once, I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it now became a distraction for me because every time they did a close-up, my eye automatically went to her hairline. And with the quality of the video shooting today, you really well, see you stuff. Oh, yeah. 4K HD, it's like <clears throat> 100%. you can't hide anything. You guys yeah. must have had to make major changes as that kind of thing come up. Well, when I started, people who did makeup for TV were considered hacks. We were okay. And people who did makeup for films were the makeup gods because it was blown up the size of a bus. Right. When we started, I had to get up at 5 a.m. to go to a movie house to watch Rushes. That was our continuity, to see what we did wrong the day before, get notes or yelled at, and make sure I didn't do it again that day, there forward. Wow. It wasn't okay. like you get playback now and can run in and fix whatever you did wrong. This was film. You had to wait a whole day yeah, totally. to find out that you were fired. Totally. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's so refreshing to speak to a <laughs> filmmaker that has shot on film before. Yeah. Watching yeah. them <laughs> load reels and go in the truck with the well, you talk to, tent you talk to some very experienced filmmakers these days. And they've never shot no. on film. Yeah, it's all digital. It's fascinating. Yeah. So anyway, so as because uh, film being mostly tape, it was already grainy. So there was a layer of a gauze built into your work. <laughs> so they could use lights to help you and even screw with the lighting more. So you could hide an infinite, an infinite amount of mistakes could be covered up. Where film... Again, it's the size of a bus. You'd say there's nowhere to hide. So the caliber between the two, there was always a rivalry. So as the years have gone with 57 and 75-inch TVs, there is no line anymore. It's like now, coming out of the gate, everyone, it's a level playing field. The materials we use are way more refined. You can do way more detailed work. Uh, it holds up way longer on set. You have transfers. If you can't blend a transfer, you shouldn't be picking up makeup because they're basically glue patches with no edges you just stick them on and just wash the edge with alcohol and it looks like it's part of your face after that it's just 
Matching pay. So what would that be? Unreal. Explain what to the audience. What what's the transfer? A uh, prose transfer is basically it's a small wound or scar made out of glue. It's a prosthetic adhesive. You make it in a silicone mold, and it has a acetate background to, uh, backing to protect it. When you go to put it on, you either transfer it to a porous towel or a transfer paper, water slide paper, which is a cardboard with a silicone backing. So you peel off the acetate, trim the paper as close to the edges as you can get it, position it, stick it on, and use water to transfer uh, to get the cardboard to release, basically. Or if you're using a towelette, you'd use alcohol to get the towelette to release because mm -hmm. it's stuck to the front. And then, again, hmm. you use a little alcohol to blend the edges. If it's made properly, you have minimal blending to do. Uh, and then the rest of it's a paint job. But they're super gooey and sticky, so you have to be careful. Uh, but they move, and they look amazing, and they take seconds to put on versus prosthetic prosthetics. The only time we use heavy-duty prosthetics now is when you're doing elaborate age makeup or character makeup like Gary Oldman and The Darkest Hour playing Churchill because you're making him fat on top of aging him and there's different stages of makeup. Uh, if you're doing a slit throat and you want blood flying, you would tend to use a silicone piece with a bladder underneath. Mm -hmm. and the bladder is basically a balloon with a thousand holes in it and a bloodline comes up to it so it uh, forces yeah. the blood through the hole so you don't see it. Uh, it's not directional. It's not like a tube where it's only coming out. Right, it comes sure. out of multi-areas. I mean, I love a classic tube spraying one <laughs> one good uh, vomit of blood. Uh, well, that depends <laughs> if you've got a nick and, you need, and then there's right, a hundred ways to do it. Instead of, if you can't afford a prosthetic, huh. you run it up your sleeve and the tube's in your hand. And yeah, yeah, sure. And you shoot it out and you fall <laughs> off camera and then you just turn, make sure the wound isn't facing and the blood keeps spreading across the ground i mean again it you're a detective you have to ask a billion questions and they may seem redundant at the time but they're not right the more information you can glean from a director the more uh useful you are in your position because of course you can make life so much simpler uh the, my favorite is when you have two months and it's on the left side the left side and you go to shoot and the dp suddenly wants to do it on the right because right. the lighting's better because they've changed the set and they're going, no dumbass, I can't move it around to the other side of the body. What's fun for stunts is uh, <clears throat> you'll put a, a gash on somebody's left cheek mm -hmm. or above their eye or something, and then I discover that I can't hit that side with the butt of the gun. I have to use the other side. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or So we have to figure out how to hit them on that side. <laughs> or we've shot... The ending of the fight a month before he oh, shows up. Oh, I've established me. all the injuries as the director wanted them. <laughs> and I walk in, I'll go, okay, you got to hit him here, here, and here. Exactly. Anywhere else, I don't care. And that's funny because then it becomes a collaboration with makeup and stunts. No, it, yeah, it does. Yeah, crazy. Or you get, well, I've had it where a stunt coordinator, don't tell me how to choreograph my fight. I'm going, dude, I'm not telling you how to do your job, but your fight has to incorporate these injuries we've already established. How you do it, I don't care. Just make sure he gets hit in all these places <laughs> to justify the bruises and the cuts. Totally, been Absolutely. there. <laughs> Absolutely. So, which sucks. I would rather do it in order and us work oh, together. And then you can give the best fight, and I can put them where they're going to do Hence, build. 
Hence an issue sometimes with block shooting. Yes, but well, that's, that's even in features, though. That's, that's true. That's reality. That's it's true. It is crazy. I always think, like, I mean, anytime I'm on a, a show where we're block shooting something and doing three to four different episodes and it says on my contract 103, 104, and 109, I go, what the fuck? <laughs> how, how the hell are they organizing this shit? Uh, and again, it's Planning. actor availability, location availability. Sure. Like, all yeah. these things determine why the order of a film is filmed uh and it doesn't matter if you have money or not rarely do you get to work on a show that shoots in chronological order that's like i don't think i've ever per- done I, I've, I've never it is worked rare. on one that it, is really rare. i've heard it's like an urban myth that <laughs> supposedly <laughs> happened but uh you'll find that one movie yeah but in general they don't because of that usually when i hear the word chronological on set that person gets fired immediately get out of here <laughs> well, you have no idea what we're gonna have. you can do chronological <laughs> if it's in a haunted house and that's the location for the whole film and you're not moving but right even then why would you go from the kitchen to the living room back to the kitchen back to the living room i worked with a nut bar director that had done that before and he got fired the first weekend because we were already a week behind because uh, every time you move the camera yeah. and the lights you lose an hour that's crazy yeah so the whole point of block shooting is if we're going to shoot in this room and it's an elaborate daylight, say, let's shoot all the day scenes because it's a big deal to change it now tonight. Then we'll shoot all the night. Now, there has to be a good reason why uh, you would couple them. If it's like a elaborate effect or something where you're going day into night and they don't want to make the actor endure seven hours of makeup whatever twice we will book just to get that sequence out of the way but then go back to shooting all nights all days yeah there's a lot of logical reasons why we have to do but when you look at it on the broad strokes it makes no sense is there anything you run into that you can't do there's no such thing i love it uh you may not be able to give them exactly what they want. Time and money, baby. But you will give them something. Right. It, it, it all comes down to a compromise. I mean, you have to be realistic. If you only have five minutes, don't ask me to take your head off in five minutes. But in five minutes, I can make it look like someone ca- caved it in with a golf club or a bat. And using next to nothing, make it, I'll make you believe it happened. Crazy. Uh, it's again compromising it's about being realistic with what you have to work with and the time you have to do it right if you can do that if you can still tell your story yeah it like i said you may not be able to give them what they wanted but you can give them something to work with i mean but how often does a director or a writer producer anybody actually know really what they want i mean until you come in and 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 sort of uh, take my words and tell me what I want. Well, that's why we you have know? a thing called pre-production. Well, that's that, where see, we have those discussions. Right. This is an interesting question about prep. Like, mm-hmm. like the director has to come in prepared. Yeah. And the direct, like, you have a physical prep, and that's fine. Everybody comes together and everybody starts prepping. But if he's had that story, his prep began far in advance of everyone else's if i've written and i want to direct a horror film that has a lot of casualty makeup whatever or burns or whatever 
it's up to me to do my research, figure out what movies have the same gags I want, so I have something to explain to my effects team or makeup team mm -hmm. what I want to physically see. And then I should have at least looked into how long does it take to do this shit? And can I do it for the budget I have for my film? Otherwise, a lot don't. They come to me and say, okay, here's my script. This is what I want. And I go, <laughs> sure. Okay, you can get this and you can get Sorry. that because you can't afford jack shit. It's like, but I can give you this as a compromise. It'll still look cool. Yeah. And if you light it right and shoot it the way I tell you, I mean, the other advantage I have is I've also directed. And my background is animation, drawing films frame by frame. Like, yeah. to me, it's a giant puzzle. So as soon as I see it, where's the camera going to be? Well, once I know this is where you're starting from, I already have all the images and the pieces. It's like the good doctor. Suddenly, my brain opens up and I'm going, okay, this is how you're going to shoot it and how we're going to do it. Hmm. based on what you told me and where I know the camera's going. You move that camera, then everything mm -hmm. is going to flip. Because when you get into gags and stuff, and they're spurting blood and moving things, you got to hide a technician. Like, he's got to be close enough to see, to hit his cues, when to totally. trip this wire, or explode that, or spurt that. Big time. Man. He can't be going blind. He needs to see. So within your shot, you have to allow for... You're either going to have to digitally erase a tube or a cable or him because he's got to be close enough to be part of it. So you have to, you know, you can't shoot so wide, get in closer. Or if you're going to do wide, why are we doing all this shit? You're never going to see it anyways. Mm -hmm. You're going to do it a different way. Right. That's why, again, why you ask the 50 million questions and get down to what is it exactly you really want to see? Yes. And that goes back to that being prepared and andrew's question do you find that most directors can answer that question no that's my <laughs> see it <laughs> is invaluable <laughs> it's invaluable as a, uh, like as when i'm writing something as a stunt guy uh and i just i know that i that if i'm going to incorporate any kind of um gunfight or just a fist fight whatever um it is obviously much better to be sort of minimal be to the story mm -hmm. you know tell tell what you need to tell for the story yeah, everything so story that when driven. i bring someone like you in mm -hmm. or someone like uh randy butcher in um that they can work with me and or i can, or at the very least i can work with them on getting the best outcome and not be so i don't know do, do you know what i'm trying to say i'm trying to mm -hmm with my words but well see the difference is you being a stunt guy you approach your action sequence different than joe blow who's just a director right like they have none of our skills so they don't know so me having done stunts before i met your father knowing it minimally having a martial arts background mm -hmm. knowing cool what minimally can be done having worked on a million action films and whatever and doing what I do when I write, I know what I can physically bring to the film because as I'm writing the story, 100%. my caps are spinning. <clears throat> yeah. Because, but the average guy doesn't. So I call it lazy lighting, writing and lazy directors who just write whatever and then basically go make it happen. They don't 
take it. On rare occasion, you have crew guys who have moved up and know a little bit about what we do, but they're the smart ones who will come to you in advance and go, help me, I want to do this. How do I tell this part of the story? And they rely on us and we do it because, I mean, you can write whatever you want. The reality is when you actually get there in the real room, it's going to change because suddenly the couch is in the way. Exactly. That window doesn't work for the lighting guy. That's right. Uh, there is no statue in the corner. Yeah, you're not going to find that ideal room that you imagined in your mind mm -hmm. unless you're building every set yourself, and mm -hmm. you're never. That's not going to happen. Not in reality. I find the success of a lot of shows has a lot to do with um, not so much the release of the series, but the uh, the working, like the crew and all the the uh, work we've done together. Uh, you know, obviously, a uh, better product comes out of a bunch of um, collaborative. Yeah, it takes filmmakers. a village. People, ha people having fun. I mean, yeah, people having a good time and creating the best work because who want, who doesn't want to be a professional on something that you're enjoying? That's why I hate it when you see at the beginning of a film a film by. Well, it's not a film by you, dude. It was a film by you and the hundred people who supported you yeah, yeah. and got you there. Well, that'd be an interesting my, credit. To my see. short is the only one I put a film by because I wore 40 hats and did 40 of those jobs. Yeah, we're we're going to talk about that. Mm. Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it now. Let's you talk keep, about you your keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, gone. Yeah. Yeah. So you wrote it. I wrote it. You produced it. Yep. You directed it. Mm -hmm. Probably did makeup. I did. Any stunt? <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw it. Sorry. I, I couldn't even get away from my own movie. <laughs> I know it's fun. Um, I was there. I I I, I was there, and uh, um, so okay. Wh why did you make this movie? Uh, and, and it's a short. So and and uh, tell us where we can see it. I I mean I. You sent it to me, so we saw it. Well, it's right now. It's, it's on Film Freeway. There's a link there, but it's uh, mostly... For film festivals and stuff. Yeah, I basically, I wanted to do the film festival experience. I'm right. a big person on setting life goals. Yeah. I set out to write a script. I wrote a script. Yeah. And then I got to direct my first feature. I talked them into directing. Oh, a, yeah. so I that was a while ago. I directed a movie in 2006. And yeah. Then, I did an okay job, and they asked me to direct another one. I wanted to write books, Sweet. makeup books, to give back to the industry, and so one became three. Right. I tried a novel. I always wanted to do it, so I wrote a novel. Uh, so I'm an international author. I'm, you name it. Uh, so I'm anti-shorts. Yeah. To me, for the effort and everything it takes. I'd rather do a feature. I agree with you 100%. Because there's no money in shorts. And film is a business. That's the bottom line. But I had this little story nagging the back of my head. And Gone is based on true events. That's what inspired it. And uh, so it's... So I came up with this idea, actually, when we were doing the last season in Cardinal. Corinne was supposed to do it. I remember. Bailed on me at the eleventh hour due to personal uh, reasons, okay. which is fine. Yeah, she just couldn't. Yeah, never know why. Whatever. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so we did it anyways. I mean, it, again, it wasn't. It didn't. It wasn't a fun experience. The problem is when you're doing something and you're re relying on favors from other people. Yeah. Certain people don't pull their weight. Did I? Not you. 
And uh, he never pushes me. <laughs> and uh, it becomes uh, very difficult. Yeah. So it wasn't fun. I didn't get to do exactly what I wanted, but I got to make a movie. Yeah. Uh, and I got to tell my story. And right. Given what we had to work with, I thought we did a decent job. I agree. So it has a beginning, a middle, and an end, which is the most important thing. Absolutely. Because I've seen lots of shorts where you're going, what the hell did I just waste my time on? Uh, yeah. The only thing that shorts do have that nothing else seems to have is passion. Yeah. It's the, the, the you're doing it because you love making movies and you want to see a future in making movies. And you're hoping this is either a calling card mm. or that or that this is something yeah. that at the very least um, you got to accomplish and show off. And, yeah. you know. and that said, though, what Randy, what Randy just said is, is incredible. <laughs> yeah, I know. I said it again. <laughs> so Randy, um, it's just in my head. Um, what Randy said is very important. Um, the beginning, middle and end thing. Uh, if, you're going, if you're going to make a short, regardless if it's a minute or, or 30 minutes. 100%. Um, it still what, has to be a story. Be, you have to still be a storyteller. Yeah, what's the point? I mean, this was 12 minutes. Yeah, we probably could have shaved a little more off of it and made it a tiny bit tighter, but not much. I don't think so. Uh, Maybe you see it, but I don't see it being shorter. Not much. Like I said, shaving a little bit. Yeah. But uh, I had pauses where I wanted them where... People want them shorter. I no, I needed to breathe a little more here. And once we got into sound design, that made a huge thing. Your sound design is incredible. Because well, that guy had never done that kind of, that was his first Foley job. Really? Yeah. Well, it's funny because um, I'd like to know who it is. We what? have a couple of things that we want to shoot, and I'd like to talk to this kid. Uh, my, well, he's not a kid. He's my friend Ryan Latham. He did my sound, uh, my music for Bottom Feeder, my very first feature. Okay. And we became friends. I knew his girlfriend, they've since split up, but him and I always stayed in touch. So I gave him his first feature job. From that, he got other jobs, right. and then we've always kept in contact. And uh, when I had this, it really has minimal, no music, but he never done foley. He said, I'd like to try this. And he's a brilliant musician. He can make any sound on his system known. Well, after seeing hmm. it, I think one of the first things I said to Andrew, and correct me if I'm wrong, is the the sound design is incredible. Yeah, so him and I, because yeah. I had written, I want to hear the generator and the background, all the stuff that wasn't there uh, to give more to the isolation and of the course. creepiness Absolutely. and all that. So it all had to be layered in and not overpower the actual scene. So there's a lot of subliminal stuff, you know, the creaking doors and all the stuff that you want to... But just the, some, some of the overlay mm -hmm. of some of the sound... It was really good. I mean, like I suppose any part of the industry, sound really makes such a freaking difference. Oh, sound crazy. is the movie. You yeah. watch the rushes of any TV show, and most of them are going, this is unwatchable. Yeah, you're just and watch, <laughs> You see the color correction, and they add all the sound and music. Go, this is actually really good. But before they go, oh, my God. Well, I've always told people, like, what, you know, especially stunt guys doing fights, the homework is pick your favorite fight, watch it then rewind it and then turn the sound down and watch it again yeah and it's really quite comical because mm -hmm. they're all misses and it's it's horrible you know i watched <laughs> that, i watched that movie uh no country for old men mm -hmm. it, obviously oscar worthy and all this other not whatever whatever and i literally uh you know everyone's going they didn't even use music it was an artistic uh idea 
you know, and it was pretty cool. Well, at the end of it, I thought they should have had fucking music. <laughs> this, would have, well, this would have been great. Uh, Gone has no music. Yeah, you don't. Have just in the credits yeah. at the end, but you don't need it. To me, we talked about it. We added a little and went, no, it's a distraction. Get rid of it. Because hmm. being only 12 minutes long, it was more, for people who don't know, it's about a woman who gets captured and put in this plywood cell and held for five days. She doesn't get captured. Kidnapped. She, she gets kidnapped. Oh, yeah. There's a difference. Oh, yeah. Kidnapped. Uh, and <laughs> wakes up prisoner in this plywood cell. Yeah. And each day represents the five stages of grief. And uh, at the end, you find out why she's there. And uh, it's a, the ending to Big Twist. And the silence of the other character is creepy. Is her. Mm-hmm. When I originally wrote it... And they're both names Allie. Yeah, well, that was a fluke. That's funny. <laughs> and the actors, Allie White and Allie Johnson. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when I recently wrote it, the captor did speak. And then uh, it was actually Corinne who said, take the dialogue out, just give it. To, it, it's way more disturbing if the other person it, it, no, it's it. I and I agree with Corinne. It's yeah. incredibly disturbing that the one doesn't speak because mm-hmm. and it's hard for Allie White, who played the captor, because she has to show her emotion within her actions, like her trepidation, and her eyes were her conflict. Uh, so it was actually a harder acting part than the one who actually got to speak and emote. Yeah. Uh, I bet she was thrilled to do it. Oh, yeah, she well, I think in part, a dialogue does speak emotion in its own self. And so, all, I mean, when you don't have dialogue to portray something that you don't get to say, that is hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the beauty of Cardinal was Billy Campbell. He had long scenes where you could see exactly what was the torture he was going through, where he would just stare into Bozo land and that would tell the story. But that, that's filmmaking. Yeah. That's filmmaking and that's acting. Yeah. But a real actor can tell you everything without telling you anything. 100%. So Love that it. was that is the best. The part we were trying to do. Uh, do you see any of that in a Marvel movie? No. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> They're not that kind of so movie. <laughs> it's going to keep coming up, man. <laughs> uh, actually, no. There are moments, uh, depending which one you go to see. Some really? of them are better stories. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to take my chance. material... Depending on the story, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite is when an actor forgets a line. Hey, some of the best moments in movie history (laughs) are ad-libbed. Yeah. Joey in uh, Friends. Fart sniffing acting. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Well, come on, it's a valid technique. It's no no Marvel. (laughs) (laughs) And spit when you talk, yeah. Hey, comedy can get away with so much. Absolutely. Comedy yeah, yeah. is 90% ad Woody Harrelson? When, yeah. From Cheers? I worked on Men Seeking Women. Mm-hmm. They would basically follow the script for a scene, and then they would go, the director would prompt them, because you're talking comedic directors and comedic actors, and then push the scene in a different direction or see where they could go, what variations. And everybody starts spitballing. And the hardest part of that show is not laughing while they're rolling. Right. Because some of the best shit never got cut in. But the whole crew's like dying, waiting for the meal cut. And then you hear everybody. Or even... Uh, Love that. The lead, he would stop in the middle of the take and go, 
Okay, let's go. You compose himself. Because <laughs> <laughs> he would lose it in the middle. Because depending correct. on the guest star, because the guest star would start ad-libbing and they'd just crack each other up. That's hilarious. So the movie that you wrote and directed in uh, 2006, mm-hmm. um, what's it called? Bottom Feeder. Right. Mm-hmm. And where can anybody see that? Is it on Shutter? Uh, it could be. I don't know. I mean, for a long time, Space was showing it. Uh, sci-fi. I get texts from friends every so often. Hey, Dodlett, your film's on TV again. Oh, uh, wicked. Uh, wow. It was one of the few that survived out of those 22. There was four or five that actually went on. to. Oh, that was with that company. Yeah. Oh, wicked. Good for you. Yeah, so it was basically I sold my soul to the devil and got to make a movie. Yeah. Never got anything back from it. I have no idea what they do with it or anything. Right. Uh, hmm. It was a weird process. I wrote a really creepy script about a monster in the tunnel, sold it to them. They bought it, hired a guy to rewrite it, turn it into a comedy first. They wanted William Shatner to be the guy in the wheelchair. Uh, He wanted $300,000 for a week, and I said, no, that's half our budget. Forget it. Gave me the script (laughs) back, said make it creepy again, but don't cut out all the dialogue. We have to justify paying the other guy for his rewrite. That's great. So I had to try and marry his stuff in with my ideas. And so I had a week to rewrite it. And even while we were shooting, it had so much verbiage. All they cared about, it had to have 110 pages. It's a time oh, thing. Yeah. Which, because usually... They had to deliver a certain length of film. Yeah. But by the time you cut all the air out, right, it ends up being <laughs> a 90-minute film. So we'd be on set. The only time you have to rehearse is to block the scene just before you shoot it. It's the first time all the actors are together. You get to <laughs> hear them great. say it out loud. And basically, okay, uh, those five lines, forget them. Drop them completely. This is way too long and too slow. And, and I would literally story edit while we were shooting. Uh, Sizemore was great for the first two days. Yeah. But they made a deal was a, a show that was shooting being Tom Sizemore at the same time. Oh. So he had cameras wherever he went. So oh, was, oh, I see. So, so there's a bit of an invasion here. Yeah, so he would... Wow. While he's ahead of the cameras, meeting you in a hallway, he would prompt you into which way a conversation should go for them, which got tedious real fast. And then <sighs> I was hearing about all these antics where he'd have meltdowns at night yeah. for the other show. Yeah. And then, like purposeful Hello? meltdowns. Yeah, because yeah, there is no reality in reality TV. No, it's no, all of formulated. Yeah, God. Uh, How long was your schedule? <laughs> uh, we started with fifteen days. I ended up with thirteen because of his, and I still finished on time. Okay. So do, uh, you knew all this going in that he had this show. Well, yeah, well yeah. they dropped it on me <laughs> just as we were going in, and I went, "Are you guys on Holy crack?" Holy fuck! Uh, three days into production, he didn't show up. He, what? Yeah. What so do you mean? I had to reschedule an entire day, try to figure out what I could salvage and shoot. So well, you didn't know his reputation prior to doing that? Well, I did, but trying to explain to the producers, you're all asshats. It's like, why did you hire this guy? Yeah. Uh, and then he suddenly he appears at lunch. He wants to have a meeting just with me in his trailer. He's not going to work. He just wants to meet. So I'm going, here we go. I'm getting pulled into the circus. It's not for us. It's for the other show. So I go in, sit in his trailer, go, uh-huh, let's see, just give it to me. Oh, my I, God. Because you're also, now, you've always ruined my day. You 
pooched my lunch on top of it. So you're not getting any favors from me at all. So he goes on about, you know, about my drug problems. I go, everybody in the free world knows about your drug problems. Because it was at the apex of his descent into hell. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. So he's Shit. trying oh to get me God. to give him a response. And I'm just sitting there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. So then he's got this assistant that has a set of double D's. Mascara running down. Robert Downey Jr. said there would be days like this. In my mind, I'm going, that's why you're so fucked. Michael Madison's your best friend. Robert Downey Jr., who at the time was right. passing out in people's houses and like two of the biggest drug and alcoholic clowns you could have. He knows Gary Busey. Like every loser that was <laughs> on the list were his friends. And I'm just going, oh my God. So they do their thing. and well, Good the, on you, bud. I look at my watch. I'm going, look, I got to go back to work. It's like, uh, basically, the first two days were great. And they were. He did what some, did he want? Uh, just attention. So I go. I mean, that's reality TV is yeah. attention. Right? Yeah. So basically, I said, the first two days were great. You know, if you come back, terrific. We'll carry on. If you don't. I'll take the insurance hit and we'll reshoot the first two days. Oh, for God's But I got to make my movie. See you later. And I left. Of course, the next morning, the entire brass shows up from the company because he shows up. He's on something, but to the point where he can function. And everybody's, and the crew's on pins and needles because all the executives are there and everything. And it's, it's slow because like, everybody's afraid to do anything. So we get to the first scene and he's behaving wow. himself. And I look at the executive producer. I'm going, so when are you leaving? And he looks at me. I go, I'm not going to make my day. If you guys are here, nobody's like, they're all, look at them. Yeah. It's like, leave. It's like, you're not helping me. I'm already a Which day. Which is weird because it's their cash. It's like, and we're already a yeah. day behind. So they left. But look at the drama they're creating for the show. Well, so he Fuck. was good for that Thursday. The Friday, we're, <laughs> we're shooting the ending of the movie where he's supposed to be strapped in a, a hospital bed and having a, a bit of a meltdown. We go through the blocking <laughs> and everything. is a little this. ironic. Yeah. yeah. He, we go through the blocking. Everything's fine. But he's asking me about a prescription to get him off the drugs that he's been taking. And I'm going, if it's legit, Give it production. Someone will go to a drugstore and get it for you. Like, what the hell am I going to do? I got a job here. I'm not your errand boy. So whatever. So he gave it to a driver, whatever. Went into his trailer, trained, changed, took the whole fucking bottle, came back to set. We start to shoot. He is in fucking in a galaxy far, far away, but he's not here. Man, uh, and you know I'm, I'm going to see this movie. Oh, yeah. So it took me six hours to shoot a half a page Holy to get shit. anything I could use that would make sense. It's the ending of the movie. It's an important scene. I guess what I didn't know, he, he wanted to do the scene in the nude. Wardrobe had to fight with him to wear the hospital what? gown. Oh, yeah. Strapped. That's all we needed to see. Thank you. <laughs> no. He was hitting on all the women. He was... Uh, the guy who played the doctor who was interrogating him or whatever, talking to him, I gave a job in the next film because 
he basically would feed him lines and prompt him to oh. get enough dialogue out of him <laughs> that I could him. actually cut a scene <laughs> together. But I was losing my mind when we got the film, uh, the scene done. I went outside and I screamed at the producers in the phone and basically said, I quit. Like, you can shove this up your ass. It's like, there's no way we're going to get through the next two weeks. This is impossible. And if you think I'm exaggerating, wait till you watch today's rushes. Was it worth having? In the end, uh, that weekend, the lawyers were on the phone to post sides. They weren't allowed 100 yards near me right. after that. And he was fine. So now, um, so he was mandated, eh? Yeah. It was supposed to be Dean Kane, and then... And I know Dean. Yeah. And at the eleventh hour, Dean. something happened, and he got a better offer. Whatever, he bailed. So it was wow. in one sentence. He went, uh, "Dean's out. You have time size more." So what <laughs> they've gotten is they've gotten a list from distribution, mm -hmm. and distribution says pick one of these ten, and they chose. And then yeah, these are basically actors you can afford within your thing. Who the distributor says we can sell your hundred percent piece yeah, of been turd. there, been there, done that. No budget film. Yeah. with so you're forced to work with one of these actors right. and then you try to surround him with good character actors like nobody on that film liked him literally the rest of the cast he, hated he, him he doesn't sound like the overly likable well, character <laughs> he's That's incredibly so insecure he's actually a really nice guy don't get me wrong when he was not high we had some great conversations i felt sorry for him i liked him he, like once you got to know him, he's just a human being. Of course, I and, think and, and he was so worried about hurting other people and how he looked like to the public. And I'm going, dude, your problem is that. Quit worrying what other people think and just get yeah. a whole new. You won't set be of worried friends, after this podcast. Get a whole new set of friends. Yeah, uh, you know, just take care of yourself because at the end of the day, nobody gives a shit. That's right. All That's, these antics you're doing are only hurting you, yeah, nobody ab else. Absolutely, but uh, but yeah, the other actors couldn't stand him because he kept saying I'm an Oscar-nominated actor, and they're like, "No, Tom, you've been in Oscar-nominated films. You haven't been Oscar-nominated for jack shit." So that's funny. So speaking of jack shit, you don't like the rum? Yeah, drink it, Randy. You talk too there's much. More over, <laughs> there's, there's more over here. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna pour you. Hey, uh, you guys uh, talk amongst yourself for a quick rum. second. This is the most I've talked in. <laughs> I'm loving it. I'm actually it's a quiet great. guy normally. <laughs> I'll put that down and I'm going to... Yeah, I'm going to grab some ice. Well, uh, we were talking about movies and makeup. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we were talking about movies and makeup, but we're all back from peeing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Whoa. I, I was regaling you with stories of... Tom Sizemore and my yeah. oh man crazy yeah. so experience. Now, uh, These are brilliant. By in the being way. Tom Sizemore, do you appear at all? Yeah, or? yeah. So I've, I've got. I was on a show <laughs> in a hotel I'm somewhere watch that tonight, and someone called me from Texas and said, "Dodlin, you're on TV." I go, "What now?" He goes, "Sizemore." I go, "Oh fuck." <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I go, how bad do I look? He goes, no, you're great. You don't do shit. <laughs> no, that's great. That's that's so good. I, I, I'm going to watch that. <laughs> uh, yeah, because, I mean, what could... I, there was nothing I could do. I mean, like I said, after the legal crap 
for the last two weeks, he was brilliant. He gave me what we needed. We got through it. And he's a really nice guy. At the end of the day, to me, that's right. all that matters. Uh, we had a ton of other challenges in production, like the DP oversold himself. We got to shoot the, when we went to shoot the opening of the movie, I had this elaborate chopped up scene to build up suspense and whatever. Oh, I can't do that. It'd take like six hours to light it. Okay, on the tech survey, you didn't... You just bring your mic in a bit. Uh, you, you know, that you failed to uh, convey this. So I really had to take three pages and cut it down to a half page, my opening of the film. Yeah. And then when we cut the film, when it was done, it was 78 minutes and the producers are looking at me. I go, hey, talk to the DP. There are three sections of this film where they couldn't light. And there was one point, I remember one day, I'm exhausted because I would shoot all day and go back to the prosthetics because I'm still running that part of the company. Oh, going, wow. Okay, idiots, what are you doing with my monster suit? Like, why are you way behind schedule? Just because I'm not here doesn't mean you get to pound the pooch. It's like, then I would yell at them for an hour for not, like, we're way behind. I need this shit, like, we're shooting in two days or whatever, so... I would get little sleep. So as the days were going on, I was getting more stressed. And so, uh, yeah, we got to the edit at the end and the movie ended up being 78 minutes. So they let me go back and shoot a, a driving piece to add because you had to have a, a little time. 80 minute minimal at that sure. time to that be uh, considered a feature or for what they wanted. Yeah. yeah. So, but our shortcomings were not because of the script or what I did. It was, other people not yeah, being able to do what Stepping they... Stepping up to what they said they could do. Could do. That's a shame. Because I remember one grip complaining about we worked 14 hours one day, and I went, okay, let me put in perspective for you. It took you three hours to open, the, light the first scene. Three hours that I paced almost a trough in the ground. I told you the first six shots, as soon as we showed up, you didn't wait for me. I waited for you. You want to get home earlier? Light faster. Or do your jobs quicker. It's not because of me. We're behind. I had to put it in perspective for him because the director's always a scapegoat that why are we... Yeah. yeah. In some cases, it is. Like, sure. I worked on Five Days at Memorial and we had John Ridley. If you ever get a chance to work with him, he's amazing. The camera stuff, he tells... John Ridley. An entire scene with the camera. He wrote 12 Years a Slave. Oh, oh my oh. God, man. I don't even know the name, but I'm a massive fan. Uh, well, yeah, that's that one movie of his is... writing credits. To get him that's to a freak work movie. with him as a director, he's amazing. And then Carlton Cruz, <clears> who wrote <throat> Lost and whatever was their other director. Wow. And then we had a third director. Not even in the same league. Uh Interesting how that happens. And uh, same thing. We would do over every day. And one of the actors, Michael Gaston, who I love, would go, so why do you shoot 12 hours? And her response was, well, that's what the studio allows me, 12 hours. He goes, but why? He goes, don't you like your crew? Don't you like us? Can't you shoot in 10? What do you mean? Yeah, that was his response. (laughs) Why can't we do this? Because her background was an editor. So she overshot everything. 
That's that's um, that's a lack of confidence. No, it's called lazy directing. You walk in, you have a plan. That's my point. If my camera's here and my master's this way, then I automatically know what my next. I know what my coverage is. Unless you're doing some fancy opening shot to establish, that's when you do your trick shot. Is the opener. Once we get into this, it's medium and close up. That tells the story. Uh, and we do it over and over. But she wouldn't tell them what she didn't like or her. what she didn't sorry. like or, or like. Sorry. Yeah, that. you can. Hey, you oh, can I'm. Do, you know, yeah, just, I'm with you, Andrew. I'm just. I'm enamored with what you're no, saying. Me and I'm too. Not I, I hate to the even interrupting you for the podcast. No, no, no. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, so, as a director, it's like basically again it's collaborative when i direct i'll have my interpretation of a scene and i want you to do it my way but if you as an actor see it a different way say fine give me it your way of course and then when i get in post and i'm putting it together and i'm sorry looking at the flow and everything i'll decide then i remember having an argument with the dp i had a specific shot where i wanted the scene to end with the close trunk of a car closing and it goes to black and takes us oh you want to cover i'm going listen asshat i'm directing it i'm editing it i already know what my cuts are i am never going to use this other shit and we're going to waste two hours on crap i'm never going to use so move on at that point you as a real director you have to go no i'm not pandering to your real for your crap like move on it's like how do you really feel about that, Randy? <laughs> but no, it, it gets <laughs> no, to I'm a with you, point brother. you, you know, all our jobs, it doesn't matter as a stunt coordinator, as a makeup head, you've got all these noise coming at you and you have to learn quickly what to disseminate as good noise and just, you're wasting my time. Exactly. And it's like, so either we... Yeah, that was loud. <laughs> Jesus. It just sounds like there's more around here than we had. <laughs> Sorry about that. That was uh, hilarious. You know, and, and and you move on. And through your career, if you move into... Like, I like to do everything. I'm yeah. not... I don't ever want to be pigeonholed as just the makeup guy. Oh, buddy. I mean... And 100%. For, and makeup's weird. Because when I started, when you said makeup, it had a whole different connotation. But when I would say special effects, oh, that's okay. He does special effects. Suddenly, that was acceptable. I mean, my favorite story is was I was on suit, and I knew one of the actors, a big Korean stunt guy, fighter we had done movies with, and he was playing the bailiff. I went, okay, give me his bag. I'll go touch him up, because I'm just visiting, whatever. And the DP's director of photography is behind the thing watching miners going, why is that grip touching the actor? And oh, that's the, funny. the rest of the team's going, uh, he's not a grip, sir. He's with us. As I have never fit the mold of right. a makeup dude. It's like... And I you also don't, I don't fit know the mold that, of a grip either. Yeah, no, <laughs> what hey, the fuck? That's you haven't true. seen me lift a dolly. It's like, uh, that's hilarious. Yeah, well, I, normally I have a beard. I'm more like your dad. But <laughs> yeah, since I, the pandemic, I can't stand that mask on my face with hair. It gets oh, way man. too hot. I had to shave it off. Yeah. Well, mine just goes everywhere. <laughs> well, I, just, I take it off and it's in my yeah, eye. Yeah, but you don't work the days I do. <laughs> That's the truth. So when that you got to wear that 
14, 15 hours every day for oh, five months. Man, it's like, I couldn't away. stand it. And so. hovering over an actor and, and all that. Yeah. Now that it's off, the wife's like, you're not growing your beard back. She hates that stage of being the porcupine and growing it. Shout out to Barb. <laughs> no beard. No beard. <laughs> so, no, so it shaves a few years off. Now I know I, I know this, use whatever I can to get a job. <laughs> I'm there too. I know this is a little bit uh, off topic or going back a step, but do, do you have a blooper reel of Sizemore now? Just, <laughs> <laughs> just staring off into space or pat, falling no, asleep. Uh, the unfortunate when you do those shows, uh, you don't get anything. Yeah. You get a credit. That's all, the only see. thing you get. I see, yeah. You get to say you got to do something. Stroke it off the bucket list, move on. Okay. So. Well, I'll stroke that one off the bucket list then. <laughs> move on. Oh, but I'm watching two movies. <laughs> <laughs> Bottom Feeder and uh, Being Tom Sizemore. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's one of them reality things, yeah. Yeah. It, you, I, I, you're, Can you still see those? I don't know. I'm going to look for them. But I'm sure yeah, they I'm are sure somewhere. It's, you know, oh, it's, yeah. it's funny because something's got to be somewhere, and I'm sure you get this. You mentioned earlier that people will text you and say, hey, you know, Dovlin, I saw you on TV last night. <clears throat> I get it all the time. I have friends call me, not call me, but text me or how we're email, and uh, they'll say, oh, you know, I saw you in the credits of this movie. And I text back, the what's the name of the movie? And they'll text back the name of the movie, and I I don't fucking remember any of that. Well, yeah, or <laughs> like I don't know. I I I have no memory of being in some of these films. Well, it's called concussions, but you know that's okay. Hey, I've seen you fall a few stories and land on cars and stuff. That <laughs> explains a lot of why you don't remember shit. True enough. True enough. But holy crap! It's so. Or funny. that one commercial where you ran into a wall several times and. Oh, for Jeff, Jeff Lowe. <laughs> oh, that was a great, the smoking yeah. one. Yeah, it's yeah. a great anti, one. but Anti-smoking one. Yeah, and, and you wonder right. why you don't remember yeah, shit. I suppose that's true. <laughs> that was a cool, that was a cool commercial. Or even back in the 80s when we were doing all those stupid movies, you guys got yeah. banged up a lot. Yeah. Safety yeah. was not a priority. See, well, you, you say it is, and then you just go and do something else. The but, pilot uh, of Night Heat? Yeah. I was doing, oh. I called in to do a makeup daily and half the background didn't show up. So I'm like, I'm not doing squat. And they, and at that time, I'm buff, I'm 18. I'm still, I've been doing competitive judo and stuff. And they're going, do you want to play a security guard? I look at the woman running makeup. She goes, yeah, fine, fuck, you're not doing anything anyways. Go have fun. So I put on the uniform, I figure... I'm just pushing our cart through St. Lawrence Market. No, as it goes, it keeps elaborating. So we're pushing the cart through. Dwayne McLean and I can't remember the other stunt guy. They were like a team. They were always in stuff together. Rob us. I come to chase them. Go out to the stairs on the back of St. Lawrence Market. I'm supposed to get shot at the top, fall down. And as I'm falling, I shoot one of them. Well, I get shot. I slip. I slide down the entire staircase so they get a free stunt and almost take out the camera at the end because I don't know how to stop because you start building momentum. Yeah, sure do. That's like four stories to the bottom. Yeah. And uh, that was my inaugural <laughs> in the stunt. So with Dwayne and that, and it's like... Uh, That's great. Uh, so yeah, I mean, no pads, nothing. Dwayne's going to be here shortly. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, every time we have uh, one of your... Uh... <laughs> 
friends on <laughs> Dwayne gets mentioned. Yeah, well, well he's like the he's grandfather is fucking crazy. Yeah. He's been forever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the only advice they told me was if you do slip, keep your arms in so you don't get hooked on the, on the railing. rail. Going. Absolutely. And I did, but it's a big they deal. didn't tell. And I kept my back arch. I knew that from judo. So I'm literally hovering the top of the metal stairs and you're full of <laughs> adrenaline. And all I can think about is, how do I stop? Like, You'll stop I'm when getting, you get to the bottom. Oh, I yeah. did, but the camera's right at the bottom. I Sometimes it's the dolly that stops you. Well, I, I literally <laughs> was able to stop myself before I took them out. And they're going, that's fucking fantastic. And they couldn't use it because I wasn't in the stunt unit. <laughs> I wasn't an actor. Oh, my God. I was a makeup dude. Oh, no way. So I went down the stairs. They got what? it. It was great footage, that's but they crazy. couldn't use it. Oh, my. So that's that was crazy. my... I mean... I would you know, do little things on shows. I mean, doing a thing for CBC where the actress that was up there to do her makeup, I was her stunt double. They strapped me to an airplane wing and slid me down a snow embankment into a tree. On an airplane wing? Yeah, because she was supposed to be getting... she The plane crashes, okay. and this kid's supposed to be pulling her. And the episode was called Rabbit Pulls His Weight. Anyways... Why because, do you remember this shit? Because of all the gear we no had concussions. to wear. Yeah, yeah. Because of all the <laughs> gear we had to wear. And I had a beard. I mean, again, we're shooting in Beardmore, which is three hours north of Thunder Bay, out in the middle of you nowhere. You had a beard I in a, Beardmore. And in Beardmore. My first beard I ever grew. <laughs> wow. You see all the pictures. We have the ice flow hanging off Not everybody faces. can say that. Yeah. That's wicked. So I wore a hockey helmet under the hood and a scarf covering my face. They strapped me to the thing. And I went down the hill, and the snow was so deep it kept snagging. They never did quite get what they wanted, right. so I never got hurt. But so but why, you're twenty? You volunteer for stupid Why didn't shit like you this. pursue a, a career in stunts? Because I have a brain. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. That's true. <laughs> I I had enough injuries from fighting yeah. that I didn't need to. I'm watching you guys yeah. fall down in the shit you went through, I'm sticking with makeup. It's way easier on the body. Well, I got to tell you, I'm so happy that you were there for us. That was awesome. Um, I just, I, I think Dwayne is now 82. Jesus. And I had a mode on Mayor of Kingstown last year. Took eight huge scripts to the chest. Um, had to keep falling down on the cement. I had maybe what five or six other stunt guys, young guys out. Yeah. All in the same sort of shootout. Yeah. And uh, he's fallen. He's fallen a puddle of water. Yeah, and he wore a pair of elbow pads. And after <laughs> the, he did about ten takes, and after the first take, he took the elbow pads off because he said they were getting in his way. <laughs> and, and the other guys were all padded up. It's so funny. And I bet he didn't complain. I mean, my... he he didn't complain. He did mention to me uh, about let's just do this one more time because I'm getting all wet. Yeah, well, the chafing. But know. it's, um, no, because yeah. he had he's the only one falling in a puddle. But 82, hitting the deck, the man is a pro, man. I was so happy to have him out. One of my favorite things was Donna the Den, Shelly Cook. There's a stunt guy who they have to do burns. He's in the full shit with gel and the whole bit. She's got nothing. She, they just put gel on her. She And we met her. No one could do makeup on her. She hates it. Except for me. So I get her to a point where she'll accept it. She's okay. And then she goes, give me something to make me memorable when I hit the fence. Because I'm just doing gel. I'm going to show that prick how hardcore I am. I'm going to show him up. Okay. <laughs> so I run to the craft table. It sounds like Shelly. I get Mr. Noodle, 
throw some black food coloring in it, some shit, mix this cup of crap, go, here, take a mouthful. She hits the fence, she goes, this black shit with worms go flying all over. She sparks, she lights. Hmm. She burns longer than Numbnut, who's in full. Oh, wow. And, like, and after that, I could do anything I wanted. Just like Bronco. They said, Bronco is the hardest guy to do makeup on. Another stunt guy. He yeah. came in for a day. I go, well, you guys are easy. Bronco likes to talk about himself. So as Bronco talked, I just kept painting. <laughs> I was only supposed to do it. They said, if you can get him to stage three, because we had stages of zombies, great. You know, no one can get beyond stage one. I said, stage three, okay, no problem. Talk about hockey, talk about everything. I learned a long time ago to listen. Let you talk. I just interject minimally, and I try to instill that in the people who work with me. You're a bartender, basically. Let them get rid of all their diatribe, their garbage, whatever. Don't get sucked into it. Just listen. Feedback occasionally, but paint. Your job is to get them done in the amount of time that's required. So Bronco comes out in full makeup. He's happier than a pig and shit because he got to talk about himself for two hours. And they're like, what the <laughs> fuck? And I'm like, no. Wow. That's great. It's all about Now, I'll be honest. I didn't know that I got to be hard on uh, getting makeup done. Next time I'm told that I get to, that I got to go to the makeup trail. Like, nope. <laughs> mm -mm. <laughs> Show me your books. Is Randy in there? Uh, no. Is he? Yeah, I'll do it if, if he's in there. No, they're about how to do makeup. Man, for all the young filmmakers that might be yeah, listening this is, to this, this is unbelievable. This is this is a, a master class, to yeah. be honest, without without actual application. But uh Well, the whole idea behind the books, my wife had been bugging me for years. Oh look at these, then, they look awesome. Then I was complaining uh that when I'd go on jobs, especially independent films, the young kids didn't know how to do the basics, casualty makeup. They were, you know, trained at Mac or wherever. And they couldn't do basic bruises and stuff, which is the staple of what I do, because right. I've done so many independent films uh, with casualty makeup. That's like breathing to me. That's where I go into my Zen thing, and my hands just go on casualty autopilot. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so busting your head, black eyes, cuts, scrapes, all that stuff, yep. freezing you. Yeah, that's like breathing. It's to pretty. Me. It's basic to everything, and it's in everything. Even shows with big prosthetics. The that's what boys. I mean. Mayor Kingstown. Half the makeup would have been old school, just general casualty yep, makeup. Because totally. it's in every fight film. I mean, if you, yeah, you want to swell a guy's eye closed. But most of the time, you don't have time. Did you ever see the movie Act of Valor? It was, uh, I, I'm probably totally messing this up, but um, it was, uh, it was, all the actors in it were Navy SEALs, real Navy SEALs. Oh, that's a great um, film. Yeah, it's a really good film. The The dialogue's a little cheese, and these guys obviously aren't actors. Right. Um, well, the one guy says baby that. after every freaking line. <laughs> it's okay, baby, baby. I got baby. It's all baby. Whatever. It's funny. But 
Overall, <laughs> overall, this movie is incredible. Right. It's actually so well done. The story is great. It'll make you cry. And the action is like top notch. The action is second to none. Man. But the... Um, but they have uh, 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 this uh, female that uh, actress that uh, whatever she plays a character uh, of some, some some kind of spy or something, and then they go and they rescue her and all this. If you remember, um, she has a swollen eye, and I always think to myself how good this is, how well done this swollen eye is. I of its time, this this uh, movie had nailed it mm. when it comes to. Uh, makeup. They got someone who knew how to do their job. But like, what the fuck? Why this? Why this movie? This movie just made it was so believable. It was so believable. But it, it all comes down to who do you get to work on your film? Who do you listen to? Who do you give the proper mm-hmm. resources to to do their job? It's about the. Let's face it. You get a film. You get X amount of bucks. Yeah. Every department's clamoring for that money. You have to, as a production manager or a producer, figure out who to really allocate stuff to. Now, if it's a period film, the wardrobe department's going to suck up half your budget. Ah, uh, yeah. Props sure. is going to suck up a totally. third. Okay, what's hmm. left for whatever? Right. Uh, True. I mean, obviously, I mean, the best film for me. Going back to Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, we spent a hundred thousand dollars just on illustrator, which was alcohol paint to paint the zombies because we were doing three to five hundred zombies a day. It was insane. What do you mean by illustrator when you say that? It's a uh, alcohol paint. So when I paint you, it will last the whole day. It's not like the old days where we use grease paint, okay. which was an old base makeup. If you did that, yeah, wipe it off. You'd see a where uh. It was hilarious on uh, Memorial. I got to do Robert Pine, Chris Pine's dad. He's from Chips. He played the sergeant. And I had to break him down and make him actually look older than he is. He turned 80 on the film. But the character he was placing had rosacea in his cheeks. And we tried to make them look a little bit like their real-life counterparts. And he never had this. He's going, so this stuff on my face. I go, touch yourself. He goes, what? I go, touch your face. And he's like, wow. When did they come up with this shit? <laughs> yeah. About 15 years ago, he goes, no one's ever used this on me. I go, you can do whatever the hell you want all day long. I'll even add sweat on this. And do, do not let my makeup inhibit you from doing your job. You let me worry about that. It's That's like, great. Wow. You do your acting. I will make That's sure cool. you look your best at any given time. I'm not... A, it's crazy... Since the pandemic, there are individuals who run shows from the truck. They sit in their truck. They never leave. They disperse their people and then shit on them if things don't look the way they want it. I'm very upfront. I love every aspect of filmmaking. And that means I'm front and present at all times. If you're number one and I'm doing you, you know I'm watching your back. A lot of times, I'm not into this bullshit of touching you up every time they all cut. I'll walk up and go, there's three cameras. These are the three shots. Super close, medium, wide. Or it's like, I'll come up. It's wide. I can see Bermuda from here. Like, save it. Like, don't 
pour all your guts into this because anyone experience. who knows film knows they use two seconds of the master 100%. and then we move into coverage. And if it's mm -hmm. an emotional scene and the actors appreciate that because they're not giving everything for every take. They know when to save it. And then I'll come in. Okay, this is the money shot. Give everything you got. This is it. And so a lot of time my job is to let them know on Saw, Samuel Jackson hurt himself halfway through the week. He twisted his knee. It was They had a cable, and he's in a dark corridor shooting. And he's 80, twisted. And so he was miserable the last few days. Is Samuel L. Jackson 80? Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson's in Saw? <laughs> what the fuck? The Samuel L. Time. Jackson has three names? And he was in a lot of pain. And so we're doing a shot, and they're... They only have them for a week. They're blanket coveraging them. And I go in to touch them up. And I start putting blood and stuff on them, freshening them up. He goes, it's a close-up. What the hell are you doing? Because I'm doing his hands and stuff. I'm going, dude, that camera's close-up. There's two other ones back there that I saw in Video Visit. Video, video Village. Too much wrong. No, it, it's pretty. <laughs> it's it's cracking. It's, it's a killer, eh? It's the bees. This new Jamaican stuff's wild. Awesome. <laughs> it's the bees. Too many bees. <laughs> Uh, video village, uh, I could see, like, I'm always aware. And so I go, those right. cover we'll you. This. I can see you know, your toenails. And then he goes quiet because he snapped at me. And generally, we've had a great relationship right. up to that. So at the end of the night when we get in the truck, he's kind of, he was shitty all day. But I, I'm like, whatever, I'll roll with it. You're quiet. I do my thing. I don't care. He apologized to me. Oh, that's nice. Because he goes, I go, my job is to keep you informed and know you know I'm on top of my, I know what's going on. Like you see the kids with the headsets and I have not worn a walkie-talkie in 38 years. Knock wood, I never will. I listen. I know what's going on. I'm telling them what's happening and they're listening to all the inane matter. Right. Uh, and the same when we're doing stuff like Memorial, we'd have this huge hospital and there'd be 300 extras. And I'd look at the idiots and touching up people way in the back. And I'd go, come here. What do you see on that screen? You see four actors and five background. Why are you touching up the ones way the hell back there? All I care about is what's in this frame. Unless you know something I don't and the camera's moving which I haven't seen it move, worry about what's in frame. Like, you look like an idiot when you're running around, and that reflects on me. So it's like, yes, you're not supposed to hang around Video Village, but you can walk by, look, see what each camera's shooting, uh, and react to that. Every department should be checking that out. But they don't. They don't train them to do that. Yeah, so it's part of your job as a head of department is to Leave an imprint on the up-and-coming people. Absolutely, and that's part of the pro. Speaking Look. of an imprint, show us the books. All right, hold them up and tell me a bit. All right, this is the first book. This was our uh, heard them real good. That's the basics with the bruises. It says in. second edition. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because oh, I upgraded yeah, yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, okay. I'm ready actually for a third edition because the uh, materials have changed so much. I want to keep it current. Well, so I was going to talking. ask you if I could buy that one, but I'm going to wait now for the no, third. No, you can buy it now. <laughs> Get them on Amazon, or we have our own company, twogruesomepublishing.com. 
too gruesome, as in TWO, to my wife and myself. She picked the name. Uh, gruesome Publishing. Uh, I'll, put, I'll put it up on the bottom of the screen. Um, heard that, them real good. Yeah, so Amazon, these .com. are sold. We're now international. They've uh, opened the markets. Japan is starting to take my book. So I nice. say I'm an international author. The whole point behind this book, it was a cookbook. Basically, every all the basic casualty makeup from scrapes, scratches, broken noses, bruises, whatever you would come across, we put in one book. Beautiful. And it's set up literally like a cookbook. This is stage one. Here's a list of the materials you need for this, the paint, do this. Stage two, add this all the way through to the end. All right. And then uh, I wrote this, Real Characters. This was for anyone wanting to make a movie who has no money. That's everybody. Pretty much all the characters in this book we made from materials I bought in a dollar store. Okay. To show oh, incredible. that you could do, uh, there's a headhunter, and he literally looks like one of the characters from Black Panther with all the, uh, using kugly eyes, gluing them on, blending them in, painting them. So he looks like he has all that scarification. This would be a good book for anyone that wants to do something for Halloween. Can I see, can I yeah. see the book? Yeah. Uh, and then this one, uh, Real Tips and Tricks, I uh, called up a couple friends and uh, they collaborated because everybody has their own way of doing things. Oh, wicked, sure. So Colin Penman, who's a very revered local makeup artist, showed how to do a burn. And he did a gag for, uh, what was that period show where they built everything uh, but the Irish detective? Copper. Oh, Copper. Copper. Great yeah, I was on the first. Yeah, yeah. The, I saw the set to that. Yeah, I, in the studio? I never Great. worked on it. Yeah, oh, it was amazing. I was there. It I was, was on the first Great. episode. Yeah. Well, he did wild. a gag where a hooker bites a guy's ear off. So he shows how he did that in here. Oh, wicked. And then. Uh, and now I'm buying three books. Jeez. Neil Morell uh, showed his version of the same bird, how to do it. And then did a. I can't see you. A, a, a ball cap and how to flock it. And flocking is a gun that electrostatically makes hair stay up. So if you do chop, like to do your haircut, if I wanted to do that on a fake head, I would put a, a layer of glue on the head, prosade, and then chop really fine fiber hair and put it in this flocker, electrostatic, and it would put it and it would all stand up. And oh, it looks God's like sake. real hair. So he demonstrates that. That's in here. That happens to me when I, yeah, that's <laughs> when I lick a 9-volt battery. Yeah. So yeah. uh, Matt did wild did the eye gag and, and so everybody did two makeups. I did the uh, hills have eye guy and I can't remember what the other. Yeah, one no, was. it's good. But, it's great. But we all did two to show, and it shows how to make your own uh, tattoo transfers and stuff. So very nice. I've worked with Indiana a few times. Mm -hmm. She's awesome. This is so, cool. So those were people who helped me with the book. It's, they either were models or assisted me well. I did the makeup, but as you can see, it's literally takes you step by step how to do everything. Yeah, this is incredible. Everything. There's like a, a glossary in the front that lists all the materials from all the makeups at once, and then it's reiterated within the recipe. So, Lily, my wife said, let's set it up like a cookbook so they're not flipping back. No, that's to a the great idea. And back. So, no. as you're doing it, 
you literally know what you should have in your hand at the time. It's a great idea. So I've had people text me that they were on a show in the mountains in some Romania and they had the book with them and they were doing casual no makeup. Kidding. <laughs> Excuse me, sorry. It was a you know a lifesaver. It helped them, and it's like, and that was my point of giving back. Because when you've been in it as long as we have, you can't keep taking. You need to help prepare the people that are going to replace you. No, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's in my keys. Uh, one of them, she moved to Vancouver. Manek Wamsley. She was to be my protege. She left, and then she had health. Now she's a issues in the mom but she was my replacement now i have a new key same thing i'm grooming her to take over because let's face it at our age how many years we got left Ten, lots well realistic <laughs> 10 15 he's maybe. very helpful yeah, i know he's very helpful <laughs> <laughs> uh we're gonna go like i said i'll die on a movie set but, i'm sure i'm uh, sure i will I, I will as well uh it's the best that's where i want to go uh but you still have an obligation to replace yourself with one or at least two individuals. To yeah, say. I've got some. Uh, so, yeah, so that's, these were to, exp you know, and the, the information in these is timeless. It doesn't, uh, the materials are current enough. Yes, you can constantly be updating, but you got to wait till you get enough to make it worthwhile to do oh, it. Oh, 100%. 100%. And so, I think that anybody that buys these books and actually learns it. Well, just uh, by opening up the book in general, uh, is, as soon as you open it up, you can tell that it is laid out exactly like a cookbook. It's um, It seems very organized with pictures and everything, and they seem invaluable. It would be insane for anyone not so to want to pick something. So what are the titles? So people can uh, order them off of uh, Amazon? Heard them real good. Real characters, R-E-E-L, -E -E like a movie reel, yeah. and real tips and tricks. Awesome. Cool. That's great. I'll put it up on the bottom. Well, Randy, um, as we're slowly closing up, <laughs> um, you want to sign the table? No, no. Just a second. Don't ask him if he wants to. There's no choice. <laughs> well, do it. God damn it. <laughs> Pick a spot anywhere. There's a nice clear spot over there. Whatever, up here. Um, everyone that's been here so far has signed the table. And uh, as you can see, you're more than welcome to draw a picture. <laughs> and, and you can do it anywhere you want. Everyone picks, obviously, where they're sitting. But yeah, you really can just get up and do it wherever you want. Yeah, just... Just don't sign the, the wall. People, the people that are listening to the podcast can only hear the scratching of the, of the <laughs> sharpie. <laughs> do I have to do it right this minute? Yeah. Can I think of it? Oh, yeah. No. Think away. <laughs> yeah, think about it. Yeah. All right. I'll think about what I want to write. All right. No, so, absolutely. So what's going on next? What's in your mind? Uh, I'm developing my own television series. That's yes. my next conquest. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's a show called Bad Penny. Okay. So, oh, hey, we've talked about this. I know. It's, uh, the characters will not leave me alone. It's like, uh, uh, I never went to film school. So everything I've learned on a movie set. So by reading scripts. That is film school. And then I read other books. And sure. I'm good at following things. And uh, actually, a mutual friend of ours I've rekindled with, uh, Stephen Maunder. Steve oh, Stephen. Yes. Hi. Yeah. Oh, well, hi. Well, he's been helping me a lot. Oh, okay. And, uh, What's... Is he writing? Oh, yeah. He oh. wrote this amazing uh, 
period piece called Wind on Fire, which is a, a, a lacrosse story, which he's now marketing. And it has to do with Champlain and a guy who gets sent into the wilderness. I and, haven't seen Stephen in years. Uh, now, I got to admit. Other with, than us getting grayer, he looks pretty much the same. Oh, is that with, right? res yeah. with respect to Stephen, I also have a movie that I wrote called Wind on Fire. Really? But it is a comedy, and it is about putting a flame to your ass when you <laughs> fart. I Sorry. It that was like terrible. A, sorry. Keep like going. short to me, but... <laughs> <laughs> Depends on which side you're looking at. Yeah, this is 120 pages. No. Sorry. Keep going. That was uh, ridiculous. <laughs> so he, he's been helping me a bit. Like Jamaican rum me. is good. Yeah, yeah it, it is. is. <laughs> to refine my writing. Because uh, writing... It's amazing. I mean, I've been writing for years, and you look back at the original stuff and going, why couldn't I sell it? And you look at it because it was shit. Yeah, no, no, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> what's interesting it. about that, though, Randy, is that everyone's like that. Yeah. doesn't matter. I don't care what stage of writing you're at. It's the same. Well, even going through True. old pictures of my makeup and stuff, uh, my uh, Instagram account basically got hacked and taken away from me, so I opened a new one. So I've been going through stuff, looking to post. I'm going... Fuck, I got nominated for an award for that show? <laughs> that stuff looks awful. Uh, but also, the problem is, my photos are raw. They haven't been treated like production shows, like sure. Cardinal. Uh, first season, they added sepia tone to everything. So it changed how my makeup mm, looked. Sure. And I was making up knowing that. So the raw photographs that we have for stills are going, yeah, it doesn't look that great. Yeah, because there's a whole layer missing that I was working towards. Or uh, even Goalie. Goalie had a different look that they added to it in post. And I'm going, in my stills, I'm going, I don't want to post these. These look like shit. <laughs> uh, well, but when it, you see the film, you go, okay, it looks totally different. You know, stunt guys, young stunt guys will choreograph some kind of a fight then they'll mm -hmm. shoot it in the park with their friends sure. and then they'll post it on facebook yeah, preview yeah and the you no know, but the first thing i want to say to them is please stop because it, it's embarrassing that said that same fight shot in a real situation mm -hmm. and treated the way it's supposed to and edited mm -hmm. would be incredible yeah so um yeah same thing so it's like so people and and the other thing is like, I have pictures from Ginny and Georgia. I have pictures from Lullaby. I have pictures from shows I can't show. Right. Because they my haven't been phone is loaded with As you know, is 300 photographs of things I can't do anything with because until they actually release them. Yeah, we're, we, going, we're in the same boat. It's like, I moved on. <laughs> it's like, uh, so yeah, so right now I'm with my wife the way she is and I'm kind of housebound. I'm concentrating on my writing and. Yeah. I really want to get this. So That's great, I've though. taken the first three episodes and uh, crushed them into a feature kind of thing as a, we're going to take that approach. Because breaking into TV is super hard and try and sell it as a... Uh, almost like how they did Wolf Cop. How they shot a feature right. in Winnipeg and they right. managed to shoot two more. So I figure if I can do even... The first episode of uh, Umbrella Academy is an hour and a half. So if I could do something like that with Penny. So you break it into a pilot. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, I have a pilot. I've written the whole no, I series. Understand. But uh, I 
managed to take three episodes, make them one thing now, got rid of some characters. I mean, that's the thing with writing. Writing's an evolution. Things you get married to, you lose really fast. And yeah, you big time. Uh, and just one little change changes everything. Sure. As long as you don't lose focus of what it's about. Uh, I find the biggest thing about writing is shutting out the noise, is trying to figure out who's worth listening to and who's not. And it's a tough and, and, and it's a big racket because you've got all these companies. Oh, give me a hundred bucks. I'll give you coverage. And I find they tell you just minimal to bump it up a bit, but they want you to keep exactly correct. sending in for more and more. No, right. so I'm getting more cynical with old age where everything just seems to be a graft. Yeah, Everyone's just grafting. Money. We're both in the same business and we have a lot of friends and you, you, sh you know, there are people that out there that, that know what they're talking about that read. But the thing is, okay, even to read a feature, that's an hour, 120 pages, yeah, 90, 10. Yeah. You're asking them to sacrifice two hours of their time yes. to go through it and then another amount of time to write you notes. Yeah. It's really, you have to be selective who you do it to and you can't keep Big going time. back to those people. At least with Steve, we have a rapport. He's interested in what I'm doing. Right. And he will help me because sure. eventually... I would love to collaborate with him on something because we have the same dry sense of humor. He's actually more wicked. Uh, and uh, we get along and we talk the same language. And uh, Andrew Andrew has written some incredible stuff. Mm -hmm. And we, have, we have some friends. What's great is you two. No, no, not me. Bounce. But uh, he, we have friends. We have mutual friends. But he's he's got some producers that are incredible readers mm -hmm. and who love his stuff. Um and I think that's where you go. Yeah, I mean, trying to f establish those relationships and not abuse them, that's the hard yeah, part. Yeah, it is, it is the hard part because I do know as a writer that I don't want to read anyone else's shit. Well, I'll read because, them. Oh, yeah. Well, but, you know, yeah, but yeah, just, yeah, to, to an agree. extent. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I get sent crap it all the time. It depends on who's exactly. asking. But the difference is when someone asks and I give you serious notes with my limited knowledge... And you basically blow me off, okay, then it's, or you don't do what I said, then it's like, don't talk to me anymore. Yeah, why'd you ask? Exactly. Like, mm -hmm. you've never written before. What do you think? You're God's gift to whatever? Yeah. Even the most seasoned writer writes shit. Yeah. I'm looking, and also, it's about who you ask. Like, asking your uncle or a close friend who's not in the business. You don't understand what I'm looking for. Criticism oh no, wise. but big but, time. But that said, most people that if, if you're a screenwriter and that's that's your goal yeah. and you actually learn to write a screenplay and you hand it to a friend, a relative or whatever who's only read novels, yeah. It's just that's just yeah. not the way to go. Yeah. I mean, I find or I found you can get anyone to look at a pitch package. Carlton Cruz looked at my pitch package and gave me <laughs> That's the guy who created Lost. He mm -hmm. gave me advice. And it was wow. simple and whatever. But they won't read your script. None of them will. Why yeah. do you think that is? It takes too much damn time. Yeah, and, and it's too much time for them to bank on the fact that it's going to be any worth it well, at all. Well, they don't know you. You're don't not that intimate. We got along on uh, Five Days at Memorial and hit it off. And I thought it was a big ass. I included it. He only read the pitch, which was... 
I was ecstatic he did that even for me. For sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's like they're too busy doing their own shit. They don't... Well, that's the problem. Uh, uh, is that every filmmaker who comes up with a screenplay or a script or an idea has to understand that the person to whom they're taking it to ask if, can you make my movie for me? Can you... Uh, they have to understand that that person has to spend two to three to four to five years of their lives trying to develop and get your picture to, to camera when in fact they have way better their ideas than stuff. you do. Yeah. yeah, or they're developing their own stuff. That's or, what I'm saying. Or a producer will go, I'll give it to my reader and if he can get through the first 10 pages, sure. maybe. 100%. Uh, they're not going to look at it. They don't have the time. Yeah. And if you do have a writer friend or you've established like I did with some of the Cardinal people to look at stuff, again, you can't keep making changes going, can you look at it again? Right. Like you get one kick at the can. So you got to make yeah. it up to where yeah, you want absolutely. and hope that the notes they give you are enough to for you to get it over the finish line. Right but on. there's a lot of people out there and also at the same at the exact same time you got to balance not giving a shit and trying to get it to somebody. I mean, it is such a hard world to break. Well, it's like I recently had a guy who had a period film. I go, one dude, you know, period means money. Yeah. Uh, and it's a very select market. So either you go big or stay home. Mm -hmm. And he had some interesting ideas, but the dialogue went on forever and ever. And trying to explain to him, it's like nobody gives a shit about any of this stuff. All this exposition or, you know, the actors will convey feelings. You do not write that into a script. It's like, you know, if you can't see it, it shouldn't be here. 100%. Now, having said that. Basic stuff. How much shit do you watch? I mean, there's so much shit. But they, it's amazing. There's a lot so of shit they, being made. Yeah, but it's true. Yeah. No, it's like anybody who looks at uh, American Idol or they all think, I can sing that well. Yeah. Why in our superstar? I and guess. half the musicians <laughs> that are on labels today live are shit. Well, see, that brings me back to what <coughs> I've said on, I think, two-thirds of our podcast is that it's so easy. I mentioned earlier that you and I, we've shot on film. Remember when we used to change a mag and it took yeah. time to grip, grips yeah. to go out and have a cigarette? Yeah. Now it's just a card. Yeah. There's no time. Only yeah. the grips. Plus, anyway. plus, yeah, only the grips. Plus, no, no offense to grips. Um, <laughs> um, now, now anyone can shoot a film. They, the, these cameras that we're using, the uh, uh, an iPhone. There, there goes the lack of preparation on the part of the, the director because the he wrote a stupid script. Yeah. He from somehow raised the money. Now he hasn't thought about what he needs to do. The editor doesn't have to think about cutting film. The editor just pushes a button and goes. Well, that's why they overshoot. You have the worst. Well, that's my point. Yeah. To me today, when a director introduces himself, I used to edit. My first thing is we're fucked. Really? Because they're that? the laziest directors on the planet. They overshoot everything. They do not come in with a shot list. You see, that goes back to my point when I said. That's a lack of confidence. Yeah. They overshoot. No, but they overshoot so that when they get into, they can create their movie in the editing Yeah, but bay. that's bullshit. It is bullshit. A real director knows shot by shot. You're editing in your head. You get in the room. Yes, things will change. A performance will 
tweak you a bit if you actually had the luxury of rehearsals. Most of the times you don't in independent low budget feature shit. Uh, but to overshoot it, that's unconscionable. You know what you need. It's like, you, if you so, have a basic understanding of how it works, why are we shooting from every fucking angle in the room? Now, that I agree with that to a point in that you should never direct what you feel you're going to edit because there's moments that you need mm -hmm. and then there's, yeah. I, like if you're doing an emotional scene, you're going to shoot loose, you're going to move in, you're going to move in. You'll basically do three sizes. Between the punctuation will be the close-up for the really strong stuff, and the weaker stuff will be the looser stuff. I mean, it's directing 101. If you know that, you can direct. But shooting it from this side, shooting it from this side, shooting it from that side. It's like, come on, you're never going to use yeah. any of this shit. I mean, yeah. a classic on saw, the guy's got a shot from here and the camera's behind the guy's shoulder pointing the gun. I'm going, what the fuck are we doing? All I see is a thumb in the guy's middle of the guy's face. And we did it for three takes. And I'm looking at did the producer. Make, did it make Seriously? The, did it make the movie? No. <laughs> the next morning, because we're in the same location, we're shooting it. The camera's now over there shooting this way. And I'm looking at them going, what the fuck? And this guy supposedly was an editor. They go... We know he's a dick, but his movies make us money, so we let him do whatever. Oh, well. I'm going, well, don't you give a shit about the rest of us? Like, come on. Looking in the monitor, and all I can see is the guy's thumb, and not even the barrel of the gun, and it's blocking the other actor's face. It's like... Honestly, I thought that an editor common would... Common sense would tell you that this is unusual. Why are we even doing this? Yeah, you would think... I thought an editor would... Yeah, like, I thought it would literally be the opposite. No, he had moments of magic where they were actually really good cutaways, but the other 20% was just like, dude, do I got to... Why is the makeup guy telling... <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Well, speak, <laughs> speaking of that, has the makeup guy come up with what he's going to sign on my table? Oh, I'm too busy talking. Yeah, you no, haven't, no, you haven't thought about shit. No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give me a minute. What, you got to film this too? No, we got to go to dinner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, we don't have to technically be on during this moment, but yeah. No, I need to be. Uh, just. I'm reading what they wrote. No, don't, <laughs> don't fucking copy. I'm not. That's why I don't want <laughs> to copy. Fucking writers. Right there below Mariah. From run one Randy to another. <laughs> Way to use both sides of the fucking table. <laughs> For those listening, the table split into two pieces. Now I have to hang both pieces on the wall That's right. to get Hey, yeah, Shawnee yeah, did Shani it right there. It <laughs> I'm gonna get a good Thanks, picture Randy. of this at some point. Yeah, Randy, thank you, man. Great conversation, thank buddy. Thank you. This was fun. This was yeah. awesome. This was awesome. Well, whenever you want to hear more bullshit, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. 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 No, I, hey, man, I can't thank you enough for uh, spending a couple hours in the car coming to my house 
to uh, have a conversation with my Anytime, son. Anytime, brother. You know yeah. I'd come. No, I know you would. That's I love it. Thank it's you. Awesome. I think it uh, is awesome. Hey, us old war horses have to support each other. Absolutely, buddy. And if you fucking call me old one more time, I'm coming across the table. Yeah, he is older than me, just for the record. <laughs> All right. That, we're good. You good? I'm good. You good? We're good. Thank awesome. you. All right. Okay. Randy, thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay, cut it, D. <laughs>